Welcome in everyone to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Chris is here. I don't know where Mark's at. He said he was going to be on. Uh, we'll see if he texts me back or not, but whatever. Dude, uh, crazy weekend in college football. Not, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It, it wasn't too crazy, but. I think NFL might have been crazier with some of the games that happened there. Probably, yeah. Um, but anyways, let's get into it here. Starting off on Friday, we had a boatload of games. We covered all of them except one. Um, so, number 24, Houston, beating Memphis, 31-13. Uh, quarterback stats, very similar. One touchdown, two interceptions, two also scored on the ground. Um, but I think with Houston, really it's been their running game that has mm-hmm. gotten them forward most of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCaskill was the guy leading the way the early half, and then uh, Tazan Henry has come on here late in the season to give them a good one-two punch there for the Cougars, who mm-hmm. I'm actually watching play Butler in the uh, Maui Invitational in Vegas right now for college basketball. But, yeah, good win for the Cougs. It's funny, though. I mean, uh, you said that they controlled the run game, which clearly they did. But together, those two running backs only had 22 touches, or 22 carries, I should say, not touches. They had four catches as well on top of that. But mm-hmm. still, it's not a lot of workload for the running backs. Yeah, yeah. Definitely good averages, though. I mean, fantastic averages, to say that. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, their their defense in the run game, I think, is, is what they got going well. And the play action with Clayton Toon is working. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see how it does this weekend. And then in the eight American Championship against Cincinnati. But, uh, yeah, Nathaniel Dell, their leading receiver there at 100 yards. Calvin Austin. Love that kid from Memphis. Dynamic. 100-yard performance from him as well. Mm-hmm. And defensively, I'm going with Marcus Jones. This guy is everything. He he does literally everything for Houston. He returns kicks. He plays defense. The only thing he needs to do is play offense, and he'll be good. But, <laughs> um, yeah, six tackles, five souls, three pass selections, and two interceptions. That's what I like to see from defensive backs. Houston covered minus nine and a half, under 59. Washington State, bowl eligible, routing Arizona 44 to 18. Jaden Delore, a nice night, four touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, bolstered by running back Max Borgie, who is having a nice time as well for the Cougs. Um, and Washington State, I mean, what can you say since their head coach, Nick Rolovich, got fired like a month ago? I mean, they have been great. And now mm-hmm. they're going to be in a bowl game. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing to see what a coaching change could do for some teams. And like you mentioned, they've been on fire. And I mean, this is the second to last or. Yeah, this was the second-to-last game of the season, but mm-hmm. 
now I guess the last one doesn't technically matter as much. But well, well, I wouldn't say that. It uh, it definitely matters. It's Washington State's last game is the Apple Cup against Washington, so rivalry game always matters, no matter what the records are. Um, but yeah, terrible season for Arizona. You know they got their first win in a long time, two weeks ago. But uh, yeah. Calvin Jackson Jr. here, 133 yards, two touchdowns, great night for him. And um, Travell Harris scoring two touchdowns as well for Washington State. Defensively, um, Jihad Woods, I guess. 12 tackles, eight souls, one and a half tackles, floss, pass selection, and a pick. Yeah, he definitely filled out the stat sheet the most, so why not? Washington State cover minus fourteen and a half over fifty two and a half. This one broke my heart. Air Force gets the win forty one thirty nine in triple overtime. Um, I was listening to this game as I was working, and uh, I had luckily I didn't lose. I, I pushed um, on this game plus two for Nevada, but man, the, it just crushes me because I had so much hope for Nevada coming into the year, I thought they were going to win the Mountain West, and uh, this all but does in their efforts to get to the conference championship, mm-hmm. but they were, they were down 17 to three early, and then... They were down twenty-four to ten at the end of the third quarter. Scored twice to get it to overtime. It's just Air Force completely dominated. I mean, their triple option was unstoppable. They ran for four hundred and seventy-six yards at five point seven per clip. Thirty-seven and a half minutes time of possession. <clears throat> and also 9 of 17 on third down, 3 of 4 on fourth down. Yeah. And uh Carson Strong, I mean again, he he's putting up numbers that would seem to be able seem to be winnable statistics, but his defense just could not stop Air Force all night. I mean, I don't know if it would have really mattered that much, but I would have liked to maybe see with that number of attempts, I would have maybe liked to have seen him in the 30s with completions, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How it ended was Nevada, or Air Force, got the two-point conversion in the first half of triple overtime, and then Nevada couldn't get it in. I didn't see the play, but... People were saying that it was like a thousand percent pass interference on Air Force that should have, should have been called, and Nevada should have got another shot at the the two point conversion, um, but didn't get called and Air Force won. So this keeps Air Force alive for the Mountain West. Um, we'll talk about that more when we get to the Utah State game in a little bit, but yeah, DeAndre Hughes, I mean, 221, two touchdowns, 9.6 per carry. Uh, 
ridiculous. <laughs> Brad Roberts, 117 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, 476 total yards rushing for the Falcons. Hey, I mean, it's crazy, though. I mean, I know Air Force is the triple option or whatever, but the fact that DeAndre Hughes is listed as a wide receiver and he had those kind of numbers on the ground is kind of crazy. Yeah, they, they're running him on jet sweeps. Um, he was the pitch man a lot of the times and whatnot. Uh, Dobbs had another. I mean, when does Romeo Dobbs not have a great night? Eleven receptions, one hundred fifty-nine yards, two touchdowns. Horton as well, eight for one hundred five. Cole Turner, they're outstanding. Tight end scored twice. But again, I just, I feel like it's a lost season for Nevada and and Carson Strong's, more than likely Carson Strong's last year, uh, at Nevada. I would think it's his. I think him, Dobbs, and Turner all leave after this year. All three are NFL caliber players. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, defensively, Air Force had a lot of defensive stats, uh, but I'm going to go with Vince Sanford. Six tackles, five souls, two sacks, three tackles, loss, and QB hurry. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Air Force's defense obviously worn out. But neither defense, obviously, was all that great with the way the score went. But I do have to just shout out uh, the Nevada defensive guy you got there, Sam Hammond, who got 11 tackles, all of which were solos. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, they were hitting Carson Strong early and often in Reno. Um, and that's what I love about Carson Strong, too. He is one of the... Toughest guys you'll ever see out there at the quarterback position. Uh, like I said, Air Force minus two pushed uh, over 54 and a half. Number 19, San Diego State's close one in Las Vegas, 28 to 20 over UNLV. Um, and again, I hate I hate San Diego State so much. They should n- there's no way that they should be 10 and 1. They just keep eking out these games mm-hmm. and their quarterback play, I mean, the stats 75% and three touchdowns, one interception, that's good. But and I know we hate talking about QBR, but look at the QBR though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that says says what all you need to know about Lucas Johnson not efficient in his passing but I don't understand like uh, you said it already you like QBR is a stupid stat but 18 for 24 that's 75 percent that's not bad and three touchdowns to one interception that's not (laughs) bad either but it accounts the yards to the completions I believe I mean still over 10 yards a, a completion though yeah but but Justin Rogers threw three hundred five yards on fifteen completions. Yeah, so over, <laughs> or tw- yeah, twenty yards, but still, and I mean, one less touchdown. But hmm. I don't know. I I have no clue how QBR works. I don't know the formula. But I just I hate San Diego State so much because <laughs> they should have lost to Nevada. They should have lost to a lot of other teams, but. They're going to be in the friggin' well, they might. They might be in the conference championship, I will say. Who was there one loss again? Um, 
I think it was, was it Boise State? Fresno, Fresno State. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why I say might make the conference championship. Um, because if you look at the Mountain West, I know I said we were going to talk about that in the Utah State thing, but Utah State's in the other division. So we'll talk about the West division uh, right now. So there's one scenario left open. San Diego State is in right now, but they host Boise State, and that is the key game. Boise State, San Diego State is the massive game this weekend for the Mountain West. Because if San Diego State wins, they're in. If San Diego State loses and Fresno State beats San Jose State, who will be fighting Fresno State very hard because San Jose State has to win to get bowl eligible. If Fresno State wins, San Diego State loses, Fresno State is then in as the, as, as the West division champ. And I guess we'll leave that there until we get to the Utah State game, or should we just, or should we go over the rest of it? Well, I got a, I had a question about the, uh, the other division, but I mean, we can wait till we get to the Utah, okay. the Utah State game. Yeah, we'll leave that there. We'll leave the the what the Mountain Division until we get to the Utah State game, um, or the Boise State game. I guess. I don't... Or no, we didn't do Boise State this week. Okay. Utah State. We'll, we'll save it for them. But yeah. Um, Steve Jenkins for the Rebels. Great Knights. Five for 176. Uh, and defensively, I'm going with the bottom guy for the Aztecs, Andrew Alecki. Five tackles, three souls, half tackle floss, and a 17-yard pick six. Yeah, it's a shame, though, that somebody like Jacoby Windman had such a wasted performance. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good, solid day, too. 12 tackles, 6 solo, 3 sacks, and 3 tackles for loss. But it was all for naught because they lost. Yeah. UNLV covered, though, plus 11, over 41. All right, Saturday's games here. Number one, Georgia. Romping Charleston Southern, 56-7. Uh, we had a bunch of quarterbacks play, three for Georgia. There was actually two quarterbacks for Charleston Southern. Four quarterbacks for Georgia played, two for Charleston Southern. I just didn't put the other two guys on there because their stats were irrelevant. Um, yeah, it was as you would expect. I mean, Jordan Davis, interestingly, didn't have any defensive stats. He didn't make any tackles when he was on defense. But he did get in offense twice, got two carries, and scored a touchdown on senior day, which was great to see. And, uh, yeah, Brock Bowers, again, continuing to have a marvelous freshman season. Two touchdowns. And, weirdly enough, the Georgia defense did give up a point. It was technically, because... The touchdown for Charleston Southern, the Buccaneers, 
Garrett Schwarting there, 65-yard fumble recovery, fumble return for a touchdown. UGA <coughs> had a tipped pass that they picked off, and then as UGA defender was running the ball back, Schwarting stripped him and took the ball 65 yards to the house. <laughs> So technically, UGA's defense didn't give up any points. Yeah, I mean that's almost as bad as the uh, double fumble in the, in the Jets game, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, uh, this was a no-brainer of a game. But were the was the quarterback carousel only because of how bad of a game it was, or was their injury related? No, yeah. It was it was uh like thirty five nothing and then JT Daniels came in and then after it was like forty nine nothing, Carson Beck came in. And then when it was fifty six to seven, Rock Vandegrift got a couple snaps at the end. Threw one pass, didn't complete it, but Mark <laughs> is finally here. <laughs> And he's on the phone, but uh, yeah, yeah. There was there actually wasn't a lot of special defensive stats in this game. Weirdly enough, uh, there was more with the Charleston Southern defense. I don't know why, but um, yeah, I guess I'm gonna go with the winning side. Latavius Brini, one tackle, one solo, two pass deflections. <laughs> why not? Uh, UGA, or no, Charleston Southern covered. Yeah, plus 52. Yeah. Thanks to... For for that one fumble recovery touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, Schwarting got it. And then uh, the over 58 and a half, also because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure somebody was happy about it. All right, number four, Ohio State, 56-7 to over number seven, Michigan State. This was just – I turned – I switched to a different game after, like, the first quarter of this game because I was just like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't expect anything near this. No. I mean, I knew Ohio State was going to win this game, but I thought it was going to be a lot closer of a game than – Almost 50 points. Yeah. I mean, C.J. Stroud, if it weren't for Bryce Young's performance against Arkansas, which we'll talk about, I think C.J. Stroud would easily have won the Heisman with this performance. Uh, Mm. I don't think it gets much better, and I hate this, again, QBR. I think he should have a a perfect 100 QBR in this game, not... Because he missed three passes, he got a 98.7. But I was just thinking about that, though. Like, I wonder if those three passes that he missed were his fault, or did the receivers drop those three passes? Like, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Like I said, I turned it off the first quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and uh, Michigan State... You see Kenneth Walker's not on here because he wasn't Michigan State's leading rusher. He couldn't get anything going on the ground, killing his Heisman hopes. Um, 
and yeah, it was just complete domination from Ohio State offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Which was weird because, you know, we're like, well, Ohio State's defense isn't that great, but it rang true that Michigan State's passing defense is the worst in the nation, and it's exactly what Ohio State attacked, and it worked. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it also helps that they have one of the best receivers in the in college right now, too, with Chris Olave. They have the best trio of receivers. Mm-hmm. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. All over 100 yards, all scoring touchdowns. Um, and then I guess Stroud was like, well, I guess I'll throw one to someone else. So he, he's like, oh, yeah, Julian Fleming, get yourself a touchdown too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was terrible game, terrible, terrible game. And did not even live up, wasn't even close to – what you would think of a four-seven matchup? Mm-hmm. And this definitely eliminates any small chance that Michigan State had of making the playoff, too. Yeah, they are out of the Big Ten running now as well. Um, <laughs> Mark, are you finally on? <laughs> I don't know. He showed his picture for a little bit, and then he came off. Mm. Um, defensively, I don't know. I I feel like I want to go with Darius Snow, but that seems like your kind of guy, Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just thinking that, I mean, the tackles alone are great, but there wasn't much defensive uh, performance by Michigan State, so I don't know. I can't really go with them in this one. Yeah. I think I'd rather go with uh, Court Williams there. Yeah, I was going to go with Tyleek Williams. Um, one tackle, one solo, sack, tuck, floss, pass, selection, and keep you hurry. Ohio State covered minus 19.5, under 70. Clemson in an upset. 48, not even just an upset, a, a drubbing. At uh-huh. home, 48-27 over number 10, Wake Forest. Mark got it right. Uh-huh. Lone wolfing the Tigers. Um, yeah, their defense was just too good. And Wake Forest's defense was terrible, once again. I mean, uh-huh. the, the running game was especially potent. Kobe Pace, 191 yards, two touchdowns. Shipley at 112 yards, two touchdowns. Also threw a touchdown. Did uh-huh. Shipley. Um, the backs combined for 40, 43 total carries. Uh-huh. And 303 total yards. Yeah, that's But that's how Clemson's going to win with uh, the way that their offense is right now. Because they do not have a good quarterback. At least in my opinion. I know... Some people might like him, but I said this from the beginning of the season that they were nowhere near what they were last year, obviously. But uh, I am like I didn't realize though that Clemson's record was as good as it is. I thought they were like seven and four. No, but no, eight and three. 
they're they're sliding under the radar, man. Yes. And they have a chance now at the ACC championship game. Mm-hmm. Their scenario, they need NC State and Wake Forest to lose this weekend. And they need to beat South Carolina. That's how they get in. NC State's playing in the Battle of North Carolina against UNC. Wake Forest is playing against Boston College. I mean, it's very possible because I think Clemson can easily win the game against South Carolina. Uh, and I mean, wait, where is the game though? Wait, hello, Mark, well, you're finally here. Finally, finally. I had a, sorry, guys. I had a phone call. That is a that is about the job dilemma. We, we're going to have to make a decision. <laughs> cool. Wake but, Forest is at Boston uh, College. I know that we're on Clemson and Wake Forest, and not to drag it on on how long you guys have been talking, but I told, told you guys you have in order to be. Be the best, you have to beat the best, and they didn't. Yeah, we were just talking about the uh, the scenario for the ACC with uh, Wake Forest and Clemson and NC State. It is a uh, conundrum, to say the least. It's going to depend on some losses, mm-hmm. but it's fun. They No one from the ACC is, is getting into it. National championship. No. I don't think it's fun, Mark. Clemson should not be in the ACC championship game. Hey, why? You you play Cause ball games. Because it's reason. not good. We want parity. I don't want the same freaking team winning every single year. Plus, granted, I don't think they would win even if they got there because they'd have to play Pitt, and I believe in Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh defense. Granted, the Pittsburgh defense has given up a lot of points recently, but I think Kenny Pickett could beat Clemson. If you want different people, then you go to an 18 playoff, not a 12. But neither of these teams are going to get into the college football playoff. I know. And so I do believe that it could be Clemson and Pitt, or it could be NC State and Pitt. Which which one's more exciting? I think the NC State Pitt game would be very exciting. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the scenario for NC State. Um, I just had the Clemson. I think the scenario for NC State would be Wake and Clemson both lose. I think no, because that still wouldn't that still wouldn't work because Wake had already beat. I don't think I don't think NC State can make it because Wake Wake has the head to head against NC State. So even if Wake Forest loses, then they're at two conference losses. I think Clemson would get in. So all I know is I was happy about this because Wake Forest was all about offense. I, I would have never told you that Clemson was going to score forty-eight. That is crazy. I thought they would win 27-21, but 148-27. Yeah, and that 48 points is the second most that Clemson has put up this year. And their their most was 49 against FCS South Carolina State. But 
Clemson's on a four-game win streak now. Going to South Carolina. The short little trip from Clemson to Columbia. So. I still think Wake Forest gets in. I, I mean, it's a win-in-year-in scenario for them, so. I think they beat Boston College. It's in, be tough, it's in Boston, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, I think Boston College. I mean, they just Boston College just lost to freaking Florida State. So, how you do that? I don't know. <laughs> no, but if it was if it was in Wake Forest, I'd say it's a definite win for them because they are six and zero at home this season and three and two on the road. But again, though, it's how do you lose to Florida State? That's my question to Boston College. <laughs> And I actually bet live on Boston College because I thought they were coming back. They had the momentum. And Boston College doesn't have anything to play for except to play spoiler to Wake Forest. Boston College is already bowl eligible. So, uh, But, yeah, anyways, already talked about the running backs. Receiving-wise, Bo Collins, 137 yards and a touchdown for Clemson. A.T. Perry, I love A.T. Perry and Jakari Roberson. Uh, those two are fantastic for the Demon Deeks. Uh, defensively, Cle- it's all Clemson. I mean, I'm going with our guy, James Skalski. Alex's guy, James Skalski. Buy tackles, three souls, sack, tackle, one and a half tackles for loss, and a QB hurry. Uh, also had a fumble recovery as well. Clemson covered minus three and a half over fifty-seven easily. Number thirteen, Oklahoma beating Iowa State twenty-eight to twenty-one, and uh, man, Iowa State just cannot get over Oklahoma. They they play them close every year, mm-hmm. and they just can't beat them. They played them close in the Big Twelve Championship last year. They lost a close one at home against Oklahoma in the regular season last year as well. And, I mean, they just – they get so close. Like this one, Iowa State was driving to tie the game. I watched the end of this game. I didn't watch the entire game, but the end of it was great. Brock Purdy was driving them down the field. They got two fourth-down conversions. They came upon another fourth-down conversion from, like, the Oklahoma um, – it was, like, the 15-yard line or 13, something like that. They could get a first down to, like, the three, I think it was. And uh, yeah. just got a little bit of pressure and threw it a little bit too high of his uh, of Chase Allen, I think it was, the intended target. He's like 6'4", and if he was 6'6", he probably would have caught it. But, uh, yeah, man, just they cannot get over Oklahoma. It sets up Bedlam. It sets up Bedlam. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Bedlam. Bedlam's gonna be for all the marbles in the Big Twelve, I believe, um, because we'll talk about the Baylor game here in a while. But uh, yeah, that conference now is. The winning in for whoever it is, and if it's 
if Oklahoma State loses, Oklahoma, it's a rematch of Bedlam in the Big 12 championship. But if Oklahoma loses, Baylor is then in to the Big 12 championship. Baylor is the biggest Oklahoma State fan this weekend that they could be. Uh-huh. Um, granted, they got to get their own job done. Um, and they play Texas Tech. They host Texas Tech. Who, again, is just like I was mentioning about Boston College, Texas Tech already bowl eligible. They're not going to be fighting for anything necessarily. So, yeah, I think Baylor gets it done, and then I think Baylor gets into the Big 12 championship because I'm rooting for Oklahoma State <laughs> in the Big 12 anyways. So, uh, Yeah, Caleb, Caleb Williams, again, it's like, what are you doing? I mean... The, the kid is not that great. He got help, luckily, from Kennedy Brooks. Had a 100-yard performance on the ground. But I don't think with either quarterback, I, they're just like San Diego State. I have no idea how how Oklahoma's 10-1 right now. <laughs> I don't know if it's schedule. Everybody always talks about people don't play people. Uh-huh. I think Bama plays a harder schedule than Oklahoma. I think Cincinnati played a harder schedule than Oklahoma. That's that's just my opinion when you're talking about you know maybe playing Indiana and, and, and different teams. I just – This is a game, in my opinion, coming to Bedlam, that, again, you switch quarterbacks and you win that game. If they win this game, I really do think that you will see people that had their Heisman Trophy winner at the beginning of the season. I do not think Caleb Williams will get it done. Especially If he does, if he does then he can laugh at me all he wants. Especially in the environment that he will be playing in at Stillwater at night with, I would think, I don't know, but if it was me running Oklahoma State, I would be like, all right, Bedlam, Oklahoma needs the win to get in the Big 12 championship. Let's do a blackout. That's, I would, if I was Oklahoma State, we're wearing our all-black jerseys. And we're going in and playing our, our state rivals. Uh, it's already I, crazy. I like all black colors, but it's also a funeral. It's already crazy enough in Stillwater when teams play there. But there's something special when, when they had that black out there and all the students are dressed in all black and stuff. With the, Black and orange, man, doesn't get better than those colors combined, I don't think. <laughs> uh, losing effort here I I love me some Charlie Kohler for Iowa State 12 reception, 150 yards and a touchdown he was instrumental on that late drive that uh, stalled out and defensively I mean dude Jalen Redmond for Oklahoma two tackles a solo one and a, one sack, one and a half tackles lost, four QB hurries, and a forty-two yard fumble return for a touchdown um, for the big man. Just before halftime, I believe that was. So, yeah. 
Uh, Oklahoma covered minus three under 59. Number 16, Texas A&M, 52-3, win over Prairie View A&M. Um, yeah, again, it's. I go back to what I said on Friday. I, I hate the SEC because they do these cupcake week 11 games, and it's stupid. Uh, talking about Georgia, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Uh, uh-huh. But, yeah, Jaden Stewart. Look at him, 100-yard performance uh, for the Panthers there in a losing effort. But, uh, I mean, the quarterback play for Prairie View is atrocious. They, they had two, two quarterbacks through a total of 12 passes. One guy, this was the leading, leading passer in terms of yards, uh, Trazon Conley, one of seven. <laughs> uh, the other quarterback was one of five for three yards, I believe it was. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and A and M. I mean, what else? They ran the ball a lot. Four total touchdowns between the three running backs there. And yeah, I don't. I don't know if you could get a weaker opponent than they played. I know we all played weak opponents, but can you get a weaker one? Yeah, I mean, technically, don't go off the record. Don't go. <laughs> well, the Prairie View A&M was just ranked in the FCS Top 25 two weeks ago. They're not terrible for an FCS school. I don't get mad at the SEC West for doing this. The SEC West is so loaded. I don't care if you play anybody in this week. But the SEC East should not be allowed to do this. That's that's divisional discrimination, Mark. <laughs> With Dan Mar Dan Mullins firing, Georgia should maybe lose a game to Tennessee in the next three years. Maybe. And Moose Muhammad scoring two touchdowns here, and then Aaron Hansford on defense, eight tackles, four souls. Tack Floss, seventeen yard fumble return for a touchdown. For A and M. The Aggies A and M. Not the Panthers A and M. Uh, Texas A&M covered minus 41.5, over 50 hit. A&M by themselves. See, at least A&M covered, though, Mark. Georgia couldn't cover. (laughs) (laughs) Number 25, Mississippi State, 55-10 over Tennessee State. Um, Eddie George not having a good day (laughs) in this one. But, uh... Yeah, Will Rogers had a had a fun day. Three ninety one, five touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, yeah, again, it's what you expect. Makai Polk, hundred ten yards and a touchdown, did turn it over once. Um, I cashed a small play, Mississippi State minus six and a half. Uh, third quarter, I believe it was spread. So. And then Austin Williams as well, three of Will Rogers' five touchdowns, along with 75 yards off four receptions. Defensively, Tyrus Wheat, five tackles, four solos, two sacks, three tucks plus. Mississippi State, minus 44, they covered. And uh, by one, <laughs> mind you. 
And uh, the over 56 and a half hit. Luckily, Tennessee State scored. All right. Uh, Non-ranked games here. Penn State, 28 nothing shutout of Rutgers at home. Um, Christian Veyu, uh Sean Clifford got banged up in this game early. The freshman, Christian Veyu came in um, and played outstanding. I had never heard of this kid. Uh, Taquan Roberson was the guy that had come in before, as we know, for Sean Clifford. There was like a, a stomach thing going or a stomach bug going around the Penn State quarterback room this week. And uh, I guess Veyu was one of the lucky ones that didn't get it. And uh, so he was the guy that was taking the first team reps on Friday, I think they said, or, or Thursday, whenever their last practice was before prep, uh, game prep. But, uh, yeah, came in and, like I said, was great. 235, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, and I couldn't have asked for more. Three touchdowns. That's pretty good number. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I mean, this gives me hope. This gives me hope at the quarterback position for Penn State going forward. <laughs> um, if Veyu is, is going to be the guy in the future, I, I would like it. I, I think he's going to be fine. Um, once again, though, Penn State, really not much on the ground. Something they have – that's priority number one in the offseason is – whether it's in-house or the transfer portal, you have to get better linemen and you have to find a better running back than what they have right now. So. Uh, Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson, great games. Touchdowns for those two once again. And Malik Mega um, left all alone on his 67-yard touchdown, his uh, fourth career catch, I think they said. And it was freshman to freshman. Um, Veyu to Mega there. Yeah, defensively, again, it's every week, dude. Anytime we got a Penn State game, who else is going to be on here? Arnold Ebicady. Five tackles, a solo sack, one and a half tackles lost, two QB hurries. The man is a stud. What can I say? Uh, Penn State covered minus 14, under 45. Coastal Carolina, 35-21 win over Texas State. Grayson McCall returned. In this game, we remember Mark. We didn't know if he was going to on Friday. We hadn't heard anything about it, and uh, himself a day. Quite, mm. <laughs> quite a return he did have. Seventy-eight point six percent completion, three nineteen, five touchdowns, no turnovers. Ran it twelve times for fifty-three yards. Um, couldn't have asked for a better, better return from the amazing Grayson McCall. I think that. You know, they don't lose that one game without if he was there. I think he just said, hey, look, this is what you guys missed. We would only have one loss. Yeah, last week, two-point loss to Georgia State. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Calvin Hill there for the Bobcats. Nice 100-yard day touchdown for them. And Texas State was actually in the game. 
uh, for the majority of it. And uh, Coastal kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. But props to them. You know, nothing to play for. They're eight, seven losses coming into this game, eight losses now. Just trying to play spoiler or whatever. Um, it's Mark Jones, another great day for the Shants. 100-yard day for Javon Hiley, the highly likely combination. They scored a touchdown each. And uh, Cameron Brown scored twice. You know, great times for the Shants. Unfortunately, not in the Sunbelt Championship game. But we'll see them in a uh, should be some semi-high profile bowl game, I would think. Yeah. Defensively, CJ Brewer having a nice season at defensive tackle. Five tackles, two solos, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss for Coastal Carolina. Texas State covered plus twenty four and a half. And uh, under 60. Number 17, Iowa beating Illinois, 33-23. And uh, this game was troubling early for Iowa. 10-0 deficit in after the first quarter. Turned it on because of Tyler Goodson. Uh, quarterback play was terrible, both sides. I mean, at least Brandon Peters... Threw for 248 and two touchdowns. Um, but Padilla is terrible. Just like Spencer Petras. And, um, again, like I said, luckily they have Tyler Goodson or else, you know, <laughs> I don't know where I, I would probably be 4-7 and seven, just like Illinois is. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the other teams we talked about. San Diego State. If you have a different quarterback, maybe you don't have two losses. Yeah. I think they should have three losses anyways. Stop it with the Penn State thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Goodson, 27 for 132. One reception for six yards there. Um, The thing is, Iowa also got helped. In a multitude of ways, they scored a touchdown on defense and special teams in this game. Otherwise, they probably lose. Uh, you can see there Jack Campbell. He's on my board. Eight tackles, four souls, QB hurry, and a 32-yard pick six. And then Charlie Jones returned. I guess he was out for injury the last game or two. Uh, 100-yard kick returned for a touchdown. And then again, they weren't scoring touchdowns on, on offense. As you can see, that's why I put the kicker on here for the Hawkeyes. Four of five. 51 long, and uh, three of three extra points for Caleb Shudak. Uh, so, they were moving the ball with, with Goodson, mm-hmm. but they weren't. They only scored three touchdowns. And two of them, only one, they only scored one offensive touchdown, I should say. So, yeah. Uh, Illinois covered plus 12 and over 38 and a half hit. Number eight, Notre Dame. Woo, 55 to nothing shut out of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's got a lot of momentum coming into the game this week, right, Mark? Yeah, 
<laughs> it's happening. No, I'm kidding. Jack Cohn, nice day. 285, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, weird. Tyler Buchner was the leading rusher for the Irish, the backup quarterback there. 5 for 67. And, uh, yeah. Kind of expected. Maybe didn't expect this bad of a, of a game, but knew Notre Dame was going to win, no less. So. Uh, Kyron Williams did score twice. Logan Diggs scored twice for the Irish. One through the air, one on the ground. Yeah, Mike Mayer scored again. That dude, that dude is, oof, he's fun to watch. <laughs> There's something about tight ends, man. There's a lot of them in college football that I just, like, fall in love with every week. It's crazy. Um, defensively, I don't even know because, like, a lot of good defensive stats for the Irish. But um, probably going to go with Myron Tagovailoa Mosa. Two quarterback hurries and a 70-yard fumble return for a touchdown. I like it. I mean, you had Jack Kaiser scoring a 43-yard pick six for the Irish as well. Otherwise, I, I the the overall stats, I actually like Jordan Dominic for the Jackets the best, but mm-hmm. I like defensive touchdowns better. Notre Dame covered minus 18 under 58 because Tech couldn't score. <laughs> Could have just gotten all he needed was three points to, to push it. Mm-hmm. Number two, Alabama. Close at home uh-huh. against number 21, Arkansas, 42 35. And again, I mentioned this when we talked about the Ohio State game. If Bryce Young doesn't have this. This kind of game, I think C.J. Stroud all but locks up the Heisman. But Bryce Young did have this game. Threw for the he most. He did. Did he not have this game? My God. Threw for the most yards in Alabama single game history: five hundred and fifty-nine yards, five touchdowns. And the the sad thing for Arkansas is like, what more do you want from K.J. Jefferson? Three twenty-six and three touchdowns in his own game. Uh. It's just, you know, Alabama's quarterback was better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was mad. I had Alabama minus 20 and a half. You know, Georgia railed Arkansas. And I was like, this is in Tuscaloosa. How is Alabama not doing the same thing that Georgia did to Arkansas? I like to see the, uh, the trick play there, too, though, by Reed Bauer. That one, that one pissed me off. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, come on, dude. Like, you hold into a field goal, and then they do that, and it's like, the kid almost dropped it for one. Because it was a terrible throw. It was behind him. He it was a great catch by uh, Blake Kern. But, yeah. I don't know. Alabama's offense is really good, but... If Arkansas can do this on defense, or on offense to to their defense, I mean, 
Don't don't ever take what happened against Georgia and Arkansas and Alabama and Arkansas and think it translates to any other game. Well, I'm just saying, you know, if Alabama would somehow get into the college football playoff and they're playing like Ohio State, you know, CJ Stroud's going to do the same thing that's on defense. Here. Record it, play it for Stephen A. Smith, play it for anybody else. Unless the SEC championship is a blowout. And I mean, Georgia blows out Alabama by 21 plus. No, it's got to be 28. Alabama gets in. Georgia wins by seven. Georgia wins by 14. Alabama gets in. Alabama beats us. We both for sure get in. But who who and who is going to overtake Alabama, even if Georgia beats Alabama by fourteen points? Who? Oklahoma State, a one-loss Big Twelve Oklahoma State champion. Or I hate this, but people are going to mention it: a one-loss Notre Dame. That's what they're going to say? You know, that's what they're going to say. Because Notre when, Dame will get in before Oklahoma State. Mark when, we, when, we, when we bring in when we bring in the rankings tomorrow, uh, you know Michigan State loses. That moves Oklahoma State up two, probably I would say, to seven. But Michigan State. Everything goes. is everything is money driven. The NCAA makes no money off of this. The bowl people who put it on Verizon, Tostito. Um, shake my foot bowl game, Jimmy, whatever. Jimmy it is. Kimmel. I'm, not, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a fun, fun, a pun there. But who's going to make you more money, Alabama or Oklahoma State? Are we going to have the barnyard traveling, or are we going to have Alabama traveling? Oklahoma State. Is it ever again, really fair? Again, people want to see parody. I don't think it is good. And you need to watch the NCAA basketball tournament when you have giant killers. But why can't it be the no, same? Why can't it be the same? There's no in parody football? in football unless we get an eighteen, eighteen playoff. There's mm-hmm. parody. There's parody in the NFL. Why can't there be parody in in college? There's football? really not any parody in the NFL. What do you mean? Look at look what? at the NFC conference. There has not been a repeat NFC champion in quite some time since the Seattle Seahawks did it a couple of years ago. But it's ago. still the same teams. The same teams that everybody buys for at the beginning of the season are the same teams that are there. Yeah. The but... NFL, you can't take the NFL and make it college football because once you open your gates in the NFL, you break even on salary once you sell one ticket and one Coke in the concession. But there when, is not the same in college football. But college when you look football, at Georgia makes $183 million per year. When you look at Maryland the NFL. Maryland makes 60. Maryland is never going to win a national championship. When you look at the NFL, every single year, the NFL season starts. Every single team's fans think that they have, have a chance. chance. Is that not right, Chris? Even as a Jets fan, <laughs> you think every single year we have a chance. It's a no, new season. You're telling me that Chris thought he had a chance of winning the Super Bowl this year? Not a, a six. No, but there is maybe, a hope. The 
There is a hope every year There's that you're better than the last year. you thinking the Jets would win a Super Bowl champion? No, no, no. There's hope every year that you're better than the last year in the NFL. Yeah, that could yeah. be one win. It's not the one same win. in college football, though. It's like, all right, well, you know, we got no, we're gonna if have. If you're a Maryland fan, you know you're never, you weren't gonna win a championship this year. If yeah. you are yeah, a not the Kentucky fan, you, you knew you were not gonna win the national championship this year. You had zero. And, to, if you're Vanderbilt, you had zero. And then you had those, and then you had those rare seasons like 2019 with LSU, where it's like a miracle run, and then that doesn't. A rare season? What are you talking about? That's a rare season. What do you mean? No one expected LSU to do that. No one expected LSU to do that. They won a championship with less miles. No one expected LSU to do that in 19. Yeah. Everyone was like, "Bama, Bama, Bama," and then LSU comes and beats them. I forget you're a Penn State fan. I I forget. 1960 championships. Get out. Yeah, no one expected LSU to do that in 2019. And then look what they've done since. They were since. the only person that they thought we were going to compete with Alabama. Look what they you look what Alabama they've done since. The national I mean, Everybody look what look what they've done since Duck though. Dynasty had their little ducks and their little. We're going to win the championship this year. But they haven't done anything since. That's why it's a miracle. It's an off the radar season. It's a it's know. a little blip. If you're in the there's SEC, a line, there's a line, and then this is like Alabama every year, and then it's like, oh nope, LSU in 2019, and then LSU's back to Bama. <laughs> I can't argue. <laughs> if you're in the SEC, you have a chance. Chris, <laughs> Chris is just the moderator at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm letting you two go at it. <laughs> Because it makes for some good content. What I love about this game... If only we had a video editor to cut it out, didn't we? Right, Chris? What I love about this game, though, for real, is Arkansas, number 21, taking Alabama to the brink. Mm. Woo Pig Suey is on a trajectory that is just complete positive. Sam, you're doing a great job as a coach. If you were here at Georgia with Mel Tucker still, we'd win the national championship 100%. Brian Robinson, 122-yard day for the Tide here. Um, the receivers, I mean, holy crap. Jamison Williams is a stud. 193 touchdowns. God, Traylon Burks for Arkansas, 179, two scores. Mechie, 10 for 173 and a touchdown as well. Um and that one touchdown to Jameson Williams, where Bryce Young just dropped a dime right over his shoulder, like 50 yards down the field, was outstanding. Uh, I used to think this was running back university, and I think they're starting to give Ohio State money for a wide, wide receiver to you. <laughs> but they – oh, I thought you were going to go to the quarterback. I was like, yeah, but they've had, a, they've had some quarterbacks recently, but they haven't had a Heisman win the – they haven't had a quarterback win the Heisman. <laughs> Uh, no longer game managers. No longer game managers. Defensively, Will Anderson Jr. Uh, again is just ridiculous. Not eligible till 2023 for the NFL. So we get to see. That's him crazy. Here. That is crazy. That's crazy. Eleven tackles, seven souls, one sack, three and a half tackles lost, and two QB hurries. I like it. Arkansas covered minus uh, plus twenty and a half, and 
over 58 and a half. Number six, Michigan. Railing, Maryland in College Park, 59-18. Um, this sets up Maryland Rutgers next week. Winner gets to a bowl. Uh, should be intriguing, at least. Mm -hmm. Sorry, fighting you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cade McNamara, efficient. They had the run game somewhat going, I guess. I mean, not a really good average, but did enough. And they scored on a kick return and a, and a defensive score. So. Yeah. Wait, so I'm kind of branching off the conversation that you guys were just having with the other game about, like, the college football playoff. But I was looking it up before. And uh, obviously, the the actual rankings for the playoffs don't come out until tomorrow. But there is an article on NCAA.com saying the projected rankings. And it has Michigan at number four, which would mean that they would make the playoff over Cincinnati, who's at number five. Yeah, it's I don't really agree with that. Yeah, it's stupid. I, I would love to have Cincinnati in the college football playoffs. I think it would bring excitement with, with what – Rusty is saying different herds of people, different people that would watch this. It would maybe bring non-NCAA football fans into it. But when it comes down to it, and I think they could be the number four, but if you have a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss Oklahoma or anybody, I could see the committee easily leaving Cincinnati out of the, out of the discussion in the top four, if that makes sense. And guess what it would be like? It would be another UCF. And what did that do for college football, leaving somebody undefeated outside of that as well? It mm. created even more buzz. And they think those fans aren't going to spend as much money in these bowl games. I think it's ridiculous. I think it is ridiculous. All I am saying as a commentator on our show, and I think a lot of people would say if they're on other shows that are ESPN or whatnot, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens. But it would, in a word that I would use, would be Travis. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because Cincinnati earned it. Cincinnati has done everything to get in, into the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about but Cincinnati. It, but money talks. I mean, ask politicians. Money talks. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Cincinnati here in a little bit. Um, but yeah. Michigan romping here. Um, A.J. Henning, 81-yard kick return touchdown for the Wolverines. And uh, D.J. Turner there, two tackles, one solo, 42-yard pick, six for Michigan as well. Sets up the game. The game to go to the Big Big Ten Championship. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, and it's in Ann Arbor, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So, I am. I hate it, and I hate both of those teams being a Penn State fan. But I will be the biggest Michigan fan, and it helps because my brother-in-law is a Michigan fan, so I will be rooting for him as well. Um, I might actually be watching the game with him. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what what he's doing for the game this weekend. But yeah. Michigan covered minus 16 over 58. 
by themselves. Number 15, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's on a path to the Big Ten Championship. Seven wins in a row, 35-28 over Nebraska. And uh, this was closer than I thought. Uh, Mark was right on Friday. Nebraska fights in every game. I thought Wisconsin, being on the roll that they are, they would just destroy them. And in a lot of respects, they did. I mean, the freshmen, Braille and Allen, holy hell. 22 carries, 228 yards, and three touchdowns. I think he's going to get a lot more NIL deals than just the Iron Jock one that he has right now <laughs> based on this game. But, um, yeah, Adrian Martinez, he is Nebraska. I mean, he's the only reason that they've been in a lot of games. And maybe he's the reason that Scott Frost is still there. Currently, anyways. <laughs> Hanging on to whatever thread that he can. But, uh, yeah, Wisconsin is something else right now. And deservedly so. They, I don't know what that projection thing said about Wisconsin, Chris, but I would think they, they're going to be close to the top ten. Wisconsin is... Number 14, apparently. What? Well, I guess a lot of teams didn't lose this week, but I I don't think there's, you know, other than Graham Mertz not being that great at quarterback, I don't think there's many teams that are playing better than Wisconsin is right now. With yeah, their, no. Their defense combined with their running game. Uh-huh. Uh... Austin Allen there, the tight end for Nebraska, 7 for 143. Samori Ture also for the Huskers, 7 for 113 in the touchdown. Jake Ferguson, tight end for the Badgers, almost 100-yard performance there. And uh, defensively going with Colin Wilder for the Badgers. Two tackles, a solo, two picks. Also got to mention Stephen Bracey there, 91-yard kick return touchdown. Nebraska covered plus ten over forty three and a half. Number eighteen, Pitts forty eight thirty eight over Virginia. I know this is tiny, tiny font. There was a <laughs> lot. There was way too many statistics in this game, dude. Defensively, offensively, it was ridiculous. Um, you would think kind of game you like to see, though. You would think with how many points were scored, there wouldn't be defensive stats, right? But there, there were a lot, and. Um, Brennan Armstrong returned for this game. Again, it was another one of those where we weren't sure if he was playing or not, and he had himself a day. Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett had another great day as well. Um, but I don't think anyone had a better day than Jordan Addison for Pitt. 14 receptions, 202 yards, and four touchdowns. Ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't even... I didn't even see that stat line yet. I was still looking at the running backs. I was I was going to say that the Pitt running backs had a great day, but, yeah, no, nobody had a better day than Addison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy. Uh, you had, yeah, like you said, Vincent Davis, 100 yards for Pitt. Uh, 
98 yard kick return for Israel Abaniconda. And then for Virginia, their do it all guy, their Taysom Hill, if you will, Keaton Thompson, 126 yards on the ground as well, and a touchdown. Uh, Dontavian Wicks had 144 yards for the Cavaliers. Just crazy amount of offense in this game. And like I said, there were also very, very many defensive performances as well. I'm going to go with Deslin Alexander, though. Six tackles, two solos, two sacks, two and a half tackles floss, and a Kiwi hurry. I like. But yeah, a lot of Kiwi hurries on Kenny Pickett, on Brennan Armstrong. It didn't matter. They still threw it. They did combine for three interceptions, but I think seven touchdowns outweighs that. <laughs> and 800... 27 total passing yards as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia covered, though, plus 12.5 and, and over 68.5. And what, what a game. This was one of the few that I watched the entire game because, for one, I... When UAB got up early, I placed a little bet on UTSA uh, because I was that confident that they would come back. And Frank Harris was marvelous in the fourth quarter. 323 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. The UTSA defense in the second half really stood up because they were getting shredded in the first half by Dylan Hopkins and uh, Dwayne McBride, Trey Shropshire. But they came back, and to win it with one second left, actually they didn't even, they they ran the clock out uh, on the last play. They scored on the last play of the game, though. Frank Harris threw a ball. It got tipped by the defender, but it wasn't enough, and the trajectory of the ball still had enough momentum to get to Oscar Cardenas to score the game-winning touchdown. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic, and I think it was by far UTSA's toughest test uh, uh-huh. this season. But um, so happy that the Roadrunners are undefeated, and I think it was even greater because Sincere McCormick really didn't have that great of a day. They shut him down for the majority of it, and it was Frank Harris that shouldered the load and and took it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, didn't Mark go with UAB in this one? Yes. Mark, Lo- Mark so, Lone Wolf to the Blazers. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, we got him back for that Clemson game in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, DeCorey and Clark there, 100 yards, 104 yards off six catches. Trey Shropshire, three for 130 and two touchdowns. Um, already mentioned McBride there for the Blazers, 144 yards on the ground. And then, um, yeah, defensively, Alex Wright for UAB all over the field. Five tackles, two solos, one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, pass deflection, and two QB hurries. LeBron was apparently just suspended a game. <laughs> 
for that fight he had last night. Yeah, I didn't even see it. I it's whatever. Uh, let's see. UAB covered plus three and a half by a half a point, and the over fifty three and a half hit. Appalachian State crushing Troy, 45-7. to Chase Bryce, nice day. Uh, did throw two interceptions, but overall not terrible. Um, once again, the Nate Noel and the ground game for the Mountaineers helped them out. Three running backs listed there, three touchdowns. Noel over 100 yards. And... Uh, yeah, Mountaineers getting it done. On their way to the Sunbelt Championship, which I think they'll lose, but that's not the conversation right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, defensively, I know Mark loves this guy, TD Roof. Four tackles, three solos, sack, two tucks, loss, and a pick. Not a bad day. App State covers uh, minus 10 over 51 and a half by a half a point. 52 scored in this game. Now we'll talk about Cincinnati. Number five, Cincinnati railing SMU 45 to 14. And people kept talking about, you know, style points, style points. They didn't do it the last like four games. But they did it against probably the best team outside of Notre Dame that they've played all season. Uh And did it in fashion, 48-14. Desmond River, five total touchdowns, three passing, one rushing, and one receiving. Uh, That one coming from Jordan Jones, the receiver, who also caught a touchdown and threw one to Desmond River. Tanner Mordecai, what a trash day. I mean, good lord. 66 yards off 15 completions? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, that's literally like four yards of completion. Yeah. Uh, but Jerome Ford returned in this game and was great. 24-82 and a touchdown, two receptions, 23 yards. Uh, yeah, Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott there for the Bearcats, 114 yards and 94 yards and a touchdown, respectively. Alex Pierce, two touchdowns. And, yeah, defensively, Curtis Brooks for the Bearcats, three tackles, two souls, two sacks, two tackles, loss, and two QB hurries. Uh, let's see here. The uh, Bearcats covered minus nine and a half, under sixty five and a half. Number 14, BYU, 17-point victory, 34-17 over Georgia Southern. I was mad I had BYU minus 20. They were in field goal range. If Georgia Southern just took all their timeouts and made BYU 
kick it. I think they would have pushed at the very least. Disappointing. Also, I don't know why they couldn't cover 20 against Georgia Southern. It's Georgia Southern, for crying out loud. But anyways, uh, Jaron Hall was great. Tyler Algier was great. BYU mm-hmm. as, a to- as a whole was great. Um, they, they did it in a variety of ways. And Algier down the stretch was unstoppable in the fourth quarter. I like BYU. I think mm-hmm. think they're going to be, unfortunately for UTSA, I think BYU is going to end up being the highest-ranked non-Power 5 team, and that will make BYU get into a near six bowl. Yeah. Although I, I think UTSA is the more fun team to watch, but yeah. Well, BYU's definitely got a lot of offense. They can, they have a ton of guys um, that can score in a blink. But uh, mm. Algier is, is I, I love Tyler Algier the most on that team. Caught up on some news here. Uh, yeah, defend. Uh, let's see. Puka Nasua scored twice here, and defensively, I don't know. Jacob Robinson, four tackles, two solos, two picks. Yeah, not much to choose from this game, but yeah, Robinson had a pretty good game. Georgia Southern covered plus twenty, under fifty-seven. Number 20, NC State, 41-17 over Syracuse. This one was at NC State, not in the Dome. But, uh, yeah, Devin Leary, 300-yard performance, two touchdowns. Nice day. Sean Tucker, 100 yards for the Orange. Um, mm-hmm. Zonovan Knight, 97-yard kick return touchdown for the Wolfpack. Yeah, Syracuse. It looks like... I was gonna say it looks like Tucker might be the only bright spot on Syracuse for the game here. Yeah, I mean Schrader ran for seventy yards and a touchdown. Pretty good for a quarterback. Yeah, but he's a quarterback. He's supposed to be able to throw the ball and <laughs> eight for twenty for sixty three yards. Yeah. And an interception? Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, he's definitely not a throwing quarterback right now. Um <laughs> Granted, I mean this is I don't know what what number start this was for him. <clears throat> I know he hasn't started that many games. That's what I do know. Uh, yeah, defensively, uh, Drake Thomas all over for the Wolfpack. Eight tackles, two of them solos, two sacks, two and a half tackles loss, and a 38-yard pick six. Seems like, there's, game. seems like there's a lot of pick sixes in defensive special team scores this weekend for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, NC State covered minus 11.5 over 49.5. Louisiana crushing Liberty 42-14. to 14. Mm-hmm. Liberty at home for this game. Uh, but I was right. I, I told y'all 
Uh, I told everyone on Friday, man, Levi Lewis is is better than people think. Now, you know, 56% is not that great. 166 yards is not that great. But he scored three total times, three three passing touchdowns. And the running game for Louisiana is what helps him. He can run himself. He didn't have enough rushing statistics in this game for me to put him on there. But... Um, Imani Bailey, Montrell Johnson. They also have another guy, Chris Smith. Those three are are always really good for the Raging Cajuns, and they got the job done in this game along with their defense as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, when I went back and watched the show on Friday, since I wasn't there, I uh, this game stuck out to me because you guys were so surprised that none of us picked Liberty. Well, clearly, we all knew what we were talking about on Friday here. <laughs> Because Louisiana just destroyed them, but uh, wait, that last thing you have here on the uh, on the slide, Dalen Cambry or whatever, mm-hmm. you have he's a wide receiver, but he has a fumble return touchdown. So was that a offensive fumble that he then picked up and ran for a touchdown or something, it or like similar to the situation that we talked about before? It was a special teams touchdown. Oh, it was. Uh, I believe, anyways, I. I can't remember if I was watching this game or not, but I believe it was special teams touchdown, like a either a, a muffed punt or a fumble on a kickoff return. Hmm. I can't. I can't remember, but I believe that's what it was. I can check to verify, but uh, Uh, I don't know. I'd have to... Oh, there it is. I think. Oh, no, it was a... uh... Actually, it was a... Yeah, it looks like that's what it was, possibly. I have no clue. Oh! Yeah, it doesn't give you much on the... uh on the thing here but I'm not I'm not completely sure because it just says Dylan Cambry 26 yard fumble return that's all it says huh. on a 4th and 17 uh, so I don't know if like the punter fumbled the ball or what but Or maybe, yeah, no, I don't know. No clue. But I think I'm I'm correct in saying that it was a special teams touchdown. Yeah, Malik Willis, not that great. I I don't know where his his stock is. It it seems to me that people still are touting him as a as a first round quarterback, which you know I'm not opposed to. Uh, I still think he has the skill set. It's just I think Liberty lost a lot last year from from last year's team, and they're not the same kind of team that they were last year. But uh, still going to go bowling. Still going to be, you know, all right, I think, Hugh Freeze and whatnot. Maybe Hugh Freeze because he knows Malik Willis is leaving this year. 
you know, we, we've talked about Hugh Freeze has said he wants to stay at Liberty. I think he signed an extension, but there are a lot of jobs opening now and a lot of quality jobs opening. I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh Freeze leaves and Mark would probably know more about that in yeah. uh, the coaching circles, but... Yeah, wait, I uh, I just looked up the Jalen Cambry thing because I was curious. And there is a video on ESPN and shows the uh, Liberty punter either just completely missing the ball <laughs> or or fumble or like or it hits off his hands or whatever and Cambry goes and picks it up and runs it back. Got it. So there you go. Defensively, uh, Louisiana, what a game for Chauncey Manic. Six tackles, five solos, four sacks, four and a half tackles for loss. Have yourself a day. Outstanding. Uh, Louisiana, they were actually underdogs. <laughs> Plus four yeah. uh, in this one, over 53 and a half. Yeah, I still don't understand why they were underdogs. Because, I mean, obviously all three of us were on the Louisiana train. Because it was in Virginia at Liberty, probably. Still. And everyone's like, well, they're Sunbelt team. It doesn't matter. Yes. Uh, all right. Number 11, Baylor, 20-10. to 10, Close one against Kansas State in Manhattan, mm-hmm. Kansas. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to Gary Bohannon. If he got hurt or if he got pulled, I didn't watch the game. But Blake Shapin threw for more yards, ran for more yards, had a better completion percentage on more passes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bohannon wasn't touchdown. having that great of a game anyway, so it doesn't matter whether he was pulled or if he got injured. Yeah, at least he scored a touchdown. Shapin didn't do that, but mm. it didn't matter, obviously. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is my favorite Kansas State player. Deuce Vaughn had a nice day. 128 off 11 carries and a touchdown. Added five receptions for 37 yards. But yeah, it's a, you know, weird low scoring Big 12 game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, 75 yards off five receptions. Defensively, I'm going with Gabe Hall for the Bears. Four tackles, four solos, two sacks, three tackles. While it's going to keep you hurt. Solid. And like I said, Baylor is now Oklahoma State fans this weekend. They got to take care of their own business against Texas Tech, but luckily their game is before that Bedlam game, so they can watch that and root for Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Baylor covered. They were underdogs plus two and a half, and uh, under fifty. The upset of the weekend in blowout fashion: number twenty-three Utah thirty-eight to seven over number three Oregon in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Anthony Brown was terrible. 
They couldn't run the ball. And, I mean, the Utah State offense just obliterated the vaunted Oregon defense. And it was easy. Uh, it really was. I watched probably the first half of this game before I left to go to work. And literally all they were doing was, okay, we're going to run the ball, but we're going to run away from Kayvon Thibodeau every time. That's what they did. They just ran away from him. And then when they passed the ball, all right, we're going to double-team Kayvon Thibodeau, make someone else beat us. And no one else was. So, yeah. I mean, not that there's any doubt that he's going to be the number one overall pick still, but I wonder if this kind of game helps or hurts him. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to look at the film to see exactly what he was doing every time. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think it doesn't matter. I think he's put up enough in the games that he has. And I think when he gets to the testing, I think he's going to test off the charts uh, for all the stuff, you know, at the combine pro days, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll have to see if I can uh, – if I can make it to the combine this year or not, I don't know. Let's see if I can. If you want to, if you want to come out, you can, Chris. We can go to we can go to Indianapolis in February. I'd be down. <laughs> uh, it's a good time the combine. It really is. But uh, yeah, Tavion Thomas, nice night, ninety-four yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Rising did just enough for the Utes. Not turning the ball over, I think that was the biggest thing that he didn't do. Uh, was uh-huh. he didn't turn it over? Uh, Brian Queeth, five for one, one eighteen. The tight end for Utah. Chris Hudson for Oregon, almost hundred yards, ninety six. There, Britton Covey, seventy eight yard punt return t- touchdown. R- that was massive. Right before halftime, Oregon was going to go in um, down, I think it was 28 nothing or 21. Because I remember it was right before I left. Because I was like, you know, I'm going to leave at halftime. Yes. Oregon was going to go down 21 to nothing into, into halftime. It's not terrible. You know, you can come back from 21 points. Whole, whole second half to do that. There's 11 seconds left. They're punting the ball, you know, or like we're good, you know, we're gonna punt the ball, go into halftime, down twenty one. But it was just backbreaking to have that happen uh, on the last play of the first half, twenty eight nothing instead of twenty one into halftime. So, I think that was really the the turning point. And mm-hmm. yeah, defensively, uh, jun- Junior Tafuna. For Utah, three tackles, one solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. Utah covered minus three, under 58 and a half. <coughs> Number nine, Oklahoma State. I know, I have these switched. <laughs> these games switched on, on the script. Number nine, Oklahoma State, 23 nothing shutout over Texas Tech. Uh... 
Yeah, the running game for Oklahoma State, you know, Spencer Sanders did did enough. It was a nice, easy night for the Cowboys, getting them geared up for Bedlam this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, the defense, the defense has been outstanding for Oklahoma State the last few games. And I think that's what's going to win them Bedlam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've given up. Let's see. Yeah, the last four games, I mean, zero to Texas Tech, 17 to TCU, three against West Virginia, and three against Kansas. They haven't given up the most points they've given up in a game this year. Uh, was actually crazily enough not their their one loss. It was or no, yeah, that was never mind. Yeah, in their one loss to Iowa State, twenty four points is the most they've given up this year. It's a solid defense. Yeah, really, really good defense. And um, I don't think Oklahoma's defense will be able to hold the Oklahoma State offense under 24 points. Granted, Texas Tech did it here, but I don't know. I just I, – I think that uh, – I think they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that more this weekend. Uh, let's see. Tay Martin, 7 for 130 yards. Their leading receiver for Oklahoma State. Yeah. And uh, defensively, I'm going to go with Brock Martin. Four tackles, a solo, one and a half sacks, two tackles, swaths, and a QB hurry. I like it. I know you wanted to go with Tanner McAllister, though. Well, no, I was <laughs> – I mean, yes, if I was going for the winner, but I was looking more towards Colin Schooler, or however you say the name, because 13 tackles just missed the double-digit solos, though, with nine. But, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State covered minus 10, under 55. Did I, did I skip – the Ole Miss game? Yeah, I was just saying, I don't think we did that one yet. Huh. Yeah, I got the Wyoming game and then the Oregon State Arizona State game are the only other two on the on my uh Okay. Script well, here. Apparently I didn't do it. Uh <laughs> so we'll just go into it. Uh number twelve, Ole Miss beating Vanderbilt 31 to 17, Vandy covered plus 35 and a half under 65 and a half. Uh Yeah, I don't know why I skipped that one. Cuz it would have been before the Utah game. Mhm. Whatever. Uh yeah, Matt Corral great night in his in his final home game, 326, two touchdowns and a pick. And 75% completion. Um, you had 
Jacor Pearson, 100 yard, 101 yards off four receptions there. See, I feel like I remember doing this game, though. I don't, I don't know where I put it. I have no clue. Oh, you know what? I think I know what I did. Possibly. I think uh, maybe I did one of those things where there was more games than we had the week before, so I had to copy and you know duplicate to make more slides. Yeah. And sometimes I'll like do that, and then like I'll go back to the original slide that I duplicated to make more, and I'll start typing on that one of the next game. I might have done that. I don't know. Regardless, uh, yeah, Ole Miss won. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I do remember. I definitely remember doing this game because I remember the leading rusher for Vanderbilt, the leading rusher for the game, Rocco Griffin. Um, 117 yards off 26 carries and a touchdown. You also had... Uh, for Vandy, Chris Pierce Jr. had 10 receptions, 113 yards. And the quarterback for, for Vandy, Mike Wright, didn't do a terrible job. 50% uh, completion, 241, and an interception. And defensively, I'm probably going to go with my guy Chance Campbell. For Ole Miss, eight tackles, three of them solo, a tackle floss, three QB Harrys. Yeah, that's who that's who I'm gonna go with. So yeah, I don't know why I didn't do that game or why it was on here, but it's on the script. <laughs> Alright. Wyoming, another shocker. 44 to 17 over Utah State. This one was in Logan, Utah. Uh, mm -hmm. Levi Williams, great game. Titus Swen had him and Zazamian Valade had an even better game, though. I mean, 36 carries, uh, 314 yards, and two touchdowns combined. Absolutely ridiculous running game for Wyoming. Total running rushing was 362. Crazy. Utah State exact split in their total yards. 181 passing, 181 rushing. Huh. Uh, including Calvin Tyler there, 109 yards for the Aggies. But yeah, I mean, this one gets Wyoming bowl eligible, and it also brings in a whole host of teams now for the Mountain Division. So, the scenarios in the Mountain Division. Utah State is currently not in the driver's seat now because of their head-to-head -head loss against Boise State. Boise State in the driver's seat. And like I said, that Boise State-San Diego State game this weekend, absolutely massive conference implications. 
We already said if San Diego State wins, they're in. San Diego State loses, Fresno State wins, Fresno State is in. On the flip side, Boise State wins, they're in. That would mean that they could possibly play Fresno State. Boise State loses, and Utah State wins over New Mexico, which I think very likely. Utah State would be in. There is one other scenario that includes Air Force. And it is Boise State and Utah State both lose. Air Force wins against UNLV. I believe they would be in. Yes. And I don't know what happens if there is, yeah, the, because the only way, I think how, um, so it looks like right now, because they're all at five and two, right, in conference, yeah. and it looks like Air Force loses a three-way tie right now. Based off, I would think it's points four. Uh, but I don't know if that's exactly what it is because Air Force beat Boise State. Boise State beat Utah State. Utah State beat Air Force. Uh, so, if, if it was points four... Yeah, Utah State is over Air Force. So I think if Boise State loses and Utah State and Air Force both win, Utah State is in. That would be head-to-head, though. Uh, no, but, um, my one question, though, that I kind of had for these teams is why is Boise State right now the number one team? Because they are 7-4 and four overall record, whereas the other two are 8-3. and Because it's head-to-head. Because Boise State beat Utah State, and Utah State beat Air Force. Mm. Air Force beat Boise State, but I think in the three-way tie, Boise State has ten more points for than yeah. Air Force. But I I don't know exactly how it all how the, how a three-way tie works. Yeah. Easiest scenario. I mean, I guess- Boise State wins, <laughs> and they're yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, I guess obviously, like conference record matters more than overall record, but yes. it just to me looks weird that a team that has a worse overall record is on top. Yeah, so I mean, like if you have a six and six team, and there's only six conference games, and they're six and zero, oh, they're in yeah. over a, a, I don't know, a ten and one. Five and one in conference team, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to win your conference games. That's why out of conference doesn't matter. Yeah. It's exactly the scenario in the ACC right now. You know, Clemson is done with their ACC slate. They play South Carolina this weekend. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of cool to see too. Apparently, uh, Utah and Air Force are both undefeated on the road. They're both five and zero. 
so they're both road warriors but they're not the best when they host the game well air force is at home this weekend against unlv utah state's on the road at new mexico so i think it's going to be interesting you know i'm not saying boise state's necessarily necessarily going to lose but they are at san diego state uh my favorite thing, obviously, would be for San Diego State to lose because I've mentioned how much I hate them this season. <laughs> and it would also get in if, – if San Diego State can lose, it would also leave the door open for my second love at quarterback in the Mountain West to get into the Mountain West Championship, Jake Hayner with Fresno State. So I would be very much excited if Fresno State could get in even mm. though even though Nevada couldn't, um, I feel Nevada's pain though. They have the most points scored in the entire Mountain West Conference with three eighty eight, but they're only seven and four. That's like yeah. me and our uh, keepers fantasy league. I have the most points scored in the league, <laughs> but I'm only five and five or whatever, six and six, whatever the thing is. Well, maybe you should have done better, Chris. <laughs> I can only do. I'm the best in the league, but I just you get need to you need to play some defense. You need to play some defense, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm hoping. Uh, I got a I got a tough battle in that league tonight. Mm. I got Mike Evans and and the Bucks defense versus Kenny Galladay. I'm down by five point five right now. Yeah, I saw that. I'm sitting pretty down in both our leagues. I I'm already done. I won both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Don't even have to worry tonight. I'm good in the dynasty league, dude. Six game win streak. I told y'all it was coming. I told <laughs> y'all when I was 0 5. I'm like, it starts this week, and look who was on a six game win streak. Unfortunately, all the freaking playoff teams won this week, so I can't move up any. But I did beat a playoff team. I beat the number one team, Ricky. I beat him. So. I'm coming for the top seed in the last three weeks of the season. I'm ha- I already surpassed you, so that was one. That was, that was one off the list. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to this game. So yeah, I was disappointed for uh, uh, by Logan Bonner's stats in this game. Um, I actually would like to see Utah State in the conference championship. I thought that if they get in. Um, and that was going to be my lock of the week for conference championship weekend, that Utah mm-hmm. State was going to crush San Diego State in the conference championship. It still could happen if they can get in. Um, just need to win and have Boise State lose to San Diego State. But I don't know. I'm fine either way. If Fresno State can get in or if San Di- or if Utah State can get in, whichever mm-hmm. way, I'm fine with. Uh. Yeah, Isaiah Nayer, great night for him for the Cowboys, four for one twenty-five and a touchdown. And defensively, uh, Chad Muma, uh, he his draft stock has just shot up this year. Fantastic linebacker for Wyoming, seventeen tackles, eight of them solo in a QB hurry here. Um, and then you also have Cameron Stone for the Cowboys, ninety-nine yard kick return touchdown, bolstering their night. This game was also weird, though, in that it was close until the fourth quarter. (laughs) 
because it was uh let's see here Wyoming was up 24 to 17 at halftime. I shouldn't have said till the fourth quarter, till the second half. 24 to 17 was Wyoming's lead at halftime. 20 unanswered points in the second half for the Cowboys. Yeah, that's crazy that Utah State got shut out in the second half. Yeah. Um, you can also, if you want on defense, you can go with Cole Godbout. A nice night for the nose tackle. Six tackles, three souls, three pass deflections for the big man, and a QB hurry. Wyoming plus five and a half over 52. Last FBS game here, Oregon State, 24-10 to 10 over Arizona State. Chris, you lone wolf to the Sun Devils. Uh, yep. I, I could have told you, man. I, I knew I'm riding the beeves this year. They're, they're great. Yeah. I I don't know what I was thinking with this one. I, I had a feeling that that was a bad pick, but I just went with it, and clearly it didn't work out for me. Yeah. It was also in Corvallis. A uh, hard place to play at home for Oregon State. Uh, B.J. Baylor, though, was the guy of the night for the Beavers. 20 carries, 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, both quarterbacks were terrible. Uh, Jaden Daniels continues to disappoint for the Sun Devils. Somehow they're 7-4. and four. But, uh, Yeah, uh, defensively... I'm probably going to go with Kyrie Fisher. Nine tackles, two souls, half sack, half tackle floss, three QB hurries. And this win is great combined with the Oregon loss to Utah because it sets up a an amazing scenario for the Civil War this weekend. Unfortunately, it's in Eugene. Uh mm-hmm. But it sets it up to where if Oregon State beats Oregon, I would believe that they are in. The only thing is, if Washington State beats Washington, that one's in Seattle. I don't know who would get in because then it would be a three-way tie and Washington State beat Oregon State. Oregon beat Washington State. And obviously then Oregon State would be, would have beaten Oregon. So it's another one of those where it's like I have no clue who gets in. Uh, whether that comes down to points for, uh, which would be Oregon State, actually. They have four points more than Oregon does. At this point. Luckily for them, Oregon only scored seven this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who would get in in that scenario. I would hope that it's Oregon State. Uh, I just want the Beavers to get to the conference championship. <laughs> They're one of my, my favorite Cinderella teams this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I said this, I think, last Friday... Or maybe it was this this Friday. I don't remember. But I do recall saying something like, all right, Oregon State, 
go beat Oregon and win and get to the Pac-12 championship and win it. Uh, so I don't know. Can they do it? Possibly. They beat Oregon last year. Granted, that was at home. Um, they got to go on the road this year. But uh, anything can happen in the Civil War. So I'm not rolling it out that Oregon State wins the Pac-12. Even though they'd have to play Utah, which is difficult, as Oregon found out. <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, Oregon State plus three, covered under 59. You know what? I forgot to put the FCS game of the week on the script, but uh, here it is. An upset. Number seven, Montana, mm-hmm. crushing number three montana state 29 to 10 and i asked mark on friday i was like dude you had an interview at montana you know you visited there and you're not taking them and he mentioned some injury issues or what or whatnot for uh, montana's quarterbacks or something like that Mm -hmm. it didn't matter the grizzlies got it going and uh it took them five field goals there as you can see on the bottom kevin macias five field goals they only scored mm-hmm. two touchdowns on offense, but uh, actually they only scored one touchdown on offense. Uh, Justin Ford had a 56-yard fumble return for a touchdown for the Grizzly defense. But, yeah, lots of momentum for Montana. Um, actually, let me get that bracket that I have. Actually, I can see it on my phone. Never mind. For uh, the FCS playoffs the selection show was last night. I didn't get to watch it. I couldn't find where it was on ES on the watch ESPN. Um, but, and of course, this is uh, the wrong way here. There we go. So we have momentum for Montana going into the FCS playoffs. They are playing. Or no, Montana. Oh no, they, Montana has a bye. Both of these teams have a bye. Never mind. But still, Montana will play the winner of Northern Northern Iowa and Eastern Washington, and uh, Montana State will play the winner of UT Martin and Missouri State. So, yeah, should be interesting FCS playoffs. Back to uh, you know you got the full twenty four team format this year again. So. Uh, yeah, not a lot of other offensive stats to talk about in this game. Kind of boring. But. <laughs> Troy Anderson and Jeffrey Manning Jr., both for the Bobcats, had a pick apiece. And because I didn't put it on the script, I have to check what the spreads were and whatnot. First, I gotta find the game on on ESPN's app. I always, I feel like I always pass it when I'm going through the FCS scores. I gotta go a little bit slower than normal, but uh, here we go. Montana covered minus two and a half in uh, over thirty three hit. All right, NFL Eagles on a roll, baby. On a roll they are. 40-29 to 29 against the Saints. Chris Lone woofed his team. That's fine. 
Take the L, Chris. Good for you. Yeah, this this one was uh, a little rough for me. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I wasn't able to watch it because I don't have any of the, like, uh, special things. So I only watch, like, the local games, and it was... The Jets game, obviously, and then the other game that was on TV here was the Vikings and Packers game. So I don't know why that was the game over this one because it's the Eagles. So I assumed that I'd be able to watch that one. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of paying attention to it, though, because I did have a lot of fantasy players in this game with uh, Devontae Smith and Mark Ingram probably being the two most notable ones. And uh, I mean, they both had decent games. Ingram fumbled, but other than that, he had a good game. And, uh, but yeah, I just, I think the story of the game, though, was Jalen Hurts with those three rushing touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I have been so happy with what the Eagles have done the last four weeks, um, completely changing their offense around to fit Jalen Hurts. And to run the ball, take pressure off of him, and uh-huh. um, it it has worked. I mean, they are. I don't know what. I know they're at least two and one last three. You know they beat the Lions, lost to the Chargers, and beat the Saints. Uh-huh. Or no, they are three and one. Yeah, they beat the Lions, beat the Broncos, lost to the Chargers, beat the Saints. Um. But. Yeah, they're they're doing something right, and you know, with with how the Cowboys are playing, I'm not I'm not saying anything, but I'm I'm saying something. Uh, <laughs> that... Well, well, uh, I don't know if you watched the pregame interview with Kevin Hart. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, he admitted that he doesn't necessarily see them winning the division, but. The way they're going right now, he can definitely see them getting into the playoffs as a wild card. And I agree. I think at the very least, they will end up, if they play the way that they've been playing, they'll end up as a wild card at the very least. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. With, especially, you know, the NFC is just terrible compared to the AFC. You know, you look at it, the last NFC wild card right now is the Saints, I believe, at 5-5. Five and five. Um, Mm-hmm. And the AFC you got the last wild card at six and four, so you had a game up on the AFC. Um, and yeah, I, Eagles have a bye still coming up. They have the the last bye week of the season, week thirteen. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too happy about that because that's the first round of our fantasy playoffs. So <laughs> I will not have Devontae Smith for that game. Yeah, I mean I I won't have Miles Sanders. So even though I didn't, I don't know I did play him this week. I think. I had to. I don't remember. Yeah, I did. No, but, I, I mean, had to play him. That's why. Yeah. yeah this game though was big for the uh, playoff picture. I mean, obviously the Eagles are a half game behind the Saints right now because they have played one more game and they lost that game. But when it comes down to it, if they end up tying at the end of the season, the Eagles now have that spot over the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have a pretty easy schedule remaining, though. I just looked it up because I was curious. 
they still got both games against the Giants, both games against Washington. They have a, a game against the Jets and a game against the Cowboys. So, I mean, five division games, which are always tough, but I think they win at least three of those five games. And I think that they win that game against the Jets. So that's four and two. That gets them to nine and eight. And I think that's definitely good enough for a playoff spot in the NFC. Possibly. Let's see. Uh, yeah, again, I was happy with Miles Sanders' return from IR this this game. I uh, would have liked to see him score and not fumble the ball. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 7.4 points in fantasy, not the greatest of days. But it wasn't terrible coming off. If, you know, if he doesn't fumble with 9.4 points, it's decent um, when you're not scoring a touchdown and didn't catch anything. Mm-hmm. Which it seems like the Eagles haven't been thrown to the running backs at all, so that's mm-hmm. it's a detriment. But yeah. that's fine. Yeah, and uh, one thing I, as a Saints fan, I gotta say though, and you're probably seeing your future as a Steelers fan as well, because the Saints did not take care of the backup quarterback position, and they didn't really draft one to groom for when Breeze retired, and you're seeing the effects of that now they don't have a good quarterback on this roster right now and i feel like that's the same thing that's going to happen to the steelers next year well we'll we'll talk about uh some extra pocket change that Taysom hill got today uh, oh yeah but yeah uh let's see nothing special in the receiving game neither quarterback doing that great trevor simeon did score four total touchdowns in a lot of garbage time um in the fourth quarter but yeah, I love what Nick Sirianni's doing with the Eagles right now. Defensively, a lot of guys to choose from, but I'm going to go with Darius Slay. Uh, he's in concussion mm-hmm. protocol right now, unfortunately. But they don't call him big play Slay for, you know, for shits and giggles. You know, one tackle, one solo, attack for loss, two pass selections, and a 51-yard pick six. I mean, he scored three defensive touchdowns in four weeks now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's like, he is working out wonderfully for Philadelphia. But yeah, great game for Marcus Davenport as well for the Saints. Eagles covered yeah, minus three. <laughs> yeah, Eagles covered minus three over 42. Washington getting it done in Carolina. You got your one back here, Chris. Yep. Uh, 27-21 for Ron Rivera's revenge. Um. Mm-hmm. And actually, he's 2-0, and I believe, against the Panthers. I think he beat them last year in Washington, I think, too. I believe so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I loved what I saw from Cam in his first his his first start at back home in Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's just the defense <laughs> let him down. Um, mm-hmm. One of the few times that the Panthers' defense has let – the team down this year they have been really good top 10 i believe in a lot of categories mm-hmm. yeah this was definitely a weird game to say the least i mean you already said it this is the, the quarterback position for once wasn't the issue for the panthers here mm-hmm. like it's been for most of the season cam newton almost looks like the cam newton of old when he was with the panthers the first time and his, his touchdown run was great yeah. I mean, this is another team. We already talked about the Eagles and the Saints. This is another team that's right outside the playoff picture, too. 
Mm-hmm. They were in the playoff picture until last week, I think. Yeah, so, they were seventh going into this week, yeah. Yeah. So, and they already have a game over the Saints because they beat them earlier in the season. So, if they can get on a roll, I think they have a solid shot at the playoffs, too. So, we'll have to see what happens with that. But, yeah, Washington is one of the most annoying teams to try to figure out, though. They're one of the most inconsistent teams in all of football. One week they look like the most amazing team in the league, and the next they're one of the worst. So I don't really know what to think about them. Well, they look a lot better now. I mean, two-game win streak. They're not... Ironically, without Chase Young, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they beat the Bucks last week, beat the Panthers this week. Two teams that have really good defenses. I mean, you can say the Bucks are kind of like Washington, where it's like, the front seven is great. Secondary is trash, but um, yeah, Christian McCaffrey again. What's new? Hundred yard scrimmage day. <laughs> All seventeen touches. A little bit less than what he usually gets, but uh, I think game script kind of did that to him. I was gonna say I think it's because of the changing at guard of quarterback because now they have a running quarterback. Yeah. But I think also they had to throw it a lot more in the second half being down. Mm-hmm. They were down 21-14, and then they were down 27-21 at the end there. Uh, I hated their last couple of play calls on third and fourth down. Uh, I thought on third down, it was third and three, I believe. And I was like, run camp. Even on yeah. fourth and three, they they dropped back to pass the ball, and then Cam tried to run when he didn't see anything open, and he got closed up on the inside. But mm-hmm. I thought even even on fourth and three, I mean the man's six four two fifty, he can get three yards if you mm-hmm. put a designed QB run for him. So I would have liked to see the run game just to get the first down. And then you can go back to throwing the ball, even without any timeouts. They had like a minute something. I think they got the ball back with like a minute 20, no timeouts. There's plenty of time to go down and score a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that drive, I was disappointed at the end. But other than that, I was, like I said, very happy with what I saw from Cam um, in his first home game back with the Panthers. And... uh Excited for what the Panthers can do the rest of the year. And I'm holding to what I said in the preseason, man. I, I tried to tell y'all Panthers were going to be a lot better than y'all thought. I didn't, Not that I knew Cam was coming back, but even with Sam Darnold, you know, they were still in contention. And, uh, you know, Cam's 1-1 one one as a starter. Or not, not as a starter. He's 0-1 as a starter for them. Because PJ started the last game, but I still refuse to believe or admit that Sam Darnold was the reason that they were winning, though. Because <laughs> I don't think he was. The first three games, they were. He was. That's fine. That's because they had McCaffrey, and then they didn't know what to do when he went out. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. McLaurin was an integral part of this win here for Washington. 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Nothing new there. Dude, I, I, he's not on here. 
but I want to make sure I get the stats for him. Uh, Robbie Anderson. Five receptions, 30 yards off six targets. I mean, we haven't seen him catch more than 50% of his targets in a while. Uh, but I said this, you know, when Cam returned, I I said it, you know, I think that's going to help Robbie Anderson a lot. Because uh-huh. even though you didn't see the passing numbers in this game, but Cam likes throwing the ball down the field. And that's uh-huh. exactly what, you know, Robbie Anderson is. He's the deep threat. They just didn't do it in this mm-hmm. game. But, uh... There was a couple of tough catches that he made that I was very happy that he was able to make those catches and gain some confidence. So that's why I've held on to him. I've held on to Robbie Anderson in a boatload of leagues uh, because no one would trade for him, for one. But, and I just didn't want to drop him because I just kept holding out hope that he would turn it around, and I think he will uh, this second half of the season here with Cam. Uh, defensively, not a lot to choose from. I'm going to go with Brian Burns, though. Two tackles, solo, sack, tackle loss, two QB hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington, plus three, over 43. Let's go to one of the shockers of the weekend uh, of yesterday. Colts. Destroying the Bills in <laughs> Buffalo, forty-one to fifteen. Wait, let's back that up a second. It wasn't the Colts destroying the Bills; it was Jonathan Taylor destroying the Bills. The absolutely monster day: thirty-two carries, one hundred eighty-five yards, four touchdowns. Also caught a touchdown. I mean, yeah. And you know what popped into my head when I was putting these stats in last night? The Colts now have their own Derrick Henry. That's exactly what Derrick Henry's stats are. 30 carries per game, you know, 150-plus yards, two touchdowns plus. And I'll tell you one thing. I mean, obviously we can't really do it this season because Henry's out for the rest of the season, but when the two of them go head-to-head on a full season – I'm willing to bet that Jonathan Taylor has a better season because of the offensive line. Yeah. I, well, the thing is, you know, Henry, even being out the last two weeks, was still leading the league in rushing going into this week mm-hmm. uh, until Taylor had this game. And I'm so happy now because even though freaking James Conner scored another freaking touchdown on the ground, my, my bets – are looking good for Jonathan Taylor to lead the league in rushing and to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Thank mm. God he had four uh, because he is now the league leader in rushing touchdowns by one as well. Uh, Freaking Joe Mixon is up there too, unfortunately. Uh, and he's like 300 yards ahead of, I think, Nick Chubb's in second in rushing yards. I think so, something Act- like that. Active, I should say. Derrick Henry's still second in rushing yards. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Chubb, even missing two or three games, I think, is still the, th- the third place rushing right now. Because mm-hmm. he had a great day, as we'll talk about in a, in a couple games, too. Uh, yeah, neither quarterback. I mean, Josh Allen, I don't... 
who even who is the MVP? Like we have no clue who the heck the MVP is right now. Because it's no, just like I, roller coasters from everyone that's in the in the conversation. Yeah. I mean Jonathan Taylor. You, Jonathan Taylor, give give him the MVP. I mean, if the Colts were better, I'd say a hundred percent. But a guy that I think that seriously could should be considered is Devontae Adams with the Packers. Why they lost? Because without him, I don't think that that team would be that great. But they lost this week. <laughs> yeah, but um, they're still eight and two or eight and three, and they're still the number one seed. I think so. Now they're two. They're second. Whatever, but still. You know what? I want to throw one out. Uh, I don't like that. I'm throwing this out. And it probably isn't even close in terms of the public's opinion. But Mac Jones. I mean... He's definitely a good Rookie of the Year candidate. I don't know about MVP. Why not MVP? Patriots are hot. They're leading the division now. They're now with the Titans losing. They're a game back of the number one seed in the AFC. I'm just saying. Uh, I think, though, with if Derrick Henry would have never gotten hurt, I do think he would be leading by far in the MVP conversation. 100%. Uh, because it's just one of those years where it's like there isn't any quarterbacks that are standing out. No. Uh, you know... Also, if he wouldn't have got hurt, you know, Kyler Murray, I think, would be uh, up there as well. But missing three games. And I can't think of anyone else right now, you know. People are still saying Josh Allen's in it. You know, maybe. He's got to have a whale of a last quarter and a half of the season Mm -hmm. to do it. And they better win the division. Well, I just looked it up because I was curious. And uh, according to this Patrick article, no, the updated odds is Brady the favorite at plus two sixty. But the and Bucks Allen are down number right now. two with plus four fifty. I mean, because the Bucks are down right now too; they've lost two straight. Yeah. Now they're going to win tonight, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> and then Rogers, Stafford, and and Dak are all tied for third with plus nine hundred. That's ridiculous. There should be. Cooper Cup should be up there for one. Mm. He is by far leading the league in receiving uh, over Debo Samuel, who had a mm-hmm. terrible game, receiving wise, anyways, this, this week. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup are non quarterbacks that should definitely be up there. And if TJ Watt wouldn't have gotten hurt and missed the Chargers game. I think T.J. Watt should be out there, too. Well, uh, Jonathan Taylor is the highest non-quarterback at plus 2,000. I'll take it. (laughs) Cooper Cup is plus 15,000. Great. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, defensively here... I don't know, a lot of similar stats. As you can see, the three Colts with their one pass deflection and one pick. 
so I guess I'm going with the guy with most tackles out of those three, George Odom. Six tackles, yep. five souls, pass selection, and a pick. Colts plus seven over 49.5. Ravens. What a, what a nice day for Tyler Huntley, man. Winning his first mm-hmm. career start. Um, had to come back because Justin Fields got hurt. Andy Dalton comes in, throws two long touchdowns, one to Darnell Mooney, one to Marquise Goodwin. And uh, Huntley drove him down, got the game-winning touchdown uh, on a run from Devontae Freeman. Sorry, Devontae, I forgot the the T in your name. I don't know how I did that, but we'll fix that right now. Uh, yeah, boring game. I I was I was watching it on my phone, as I had the Fox mm-hmm. game. I had the Fox game on my TV. The the CBS game on my phone. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Andy Dalton by far is the better option for Chicago. Mm-hmm. In a relief role, might have to play this week with Fields getting banged up, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah, I I have no qualms of what Tyler Huntley did. I thought he did did well. Yeah, he filled in very nicely for uh, Lamar Jackson, but uh, I mean, I didn't really watch this game much, and I don't really know much about Huntley. But is he the same style? As Lamar Jackson, like, is he a running quarterback or is he more of a pocket passer? He can run uh, and is very capable at running. It's just not the same as Lamar. Well, yeah. You know, he for one, I believe he's bigger. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he's better at throwing the ball. But he can do both. He did both at Utah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think that – probably helped the Ravens a little bit because then they had, like I said, they had a slightly different style at quarterback, whereas the the Bears were probably preparing to stuff the run a lot or, like, uh, contain the quarterback at least. But, yeah. All I know is I'm – I mean, like I said earlier in the show – for my fantasy purposes, I already won, so I don't have to worry about it. But I was so close to having my perfect week, like having the max points I could have had this week. Mm-hmm. I only missed out on one thing, and that was because I had Devontae Freeman on my bench who got 20 points. And I could have – I mean, I would have never done it, but the player I would have had to replace it is Michael Pittman. Yeah. I feel that. And I would have never done that, but, yeah, that would have been the only – I would have had the perfect week had I done that. Yeah, I feel that. I was shafted by Pittman as well. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, uh, Bateman didn't have that great of a game. You know, no Lamar. Bateman is kind of a Lamar guy, so he had a decent Mm -hmm. though. Like 5.4 points, something like that. I don't know. Uh, Mark Andrews, though. Nice day for him off 10 targets. Uh, like I said, Mooney and Goodwin over 100 yards pretty much mm-hmm. only because of their touchdowns. Love to see it. And 
I mean, who do you, you got a boatload of guys to pick from? I, I, I think you want to go with Roquan with the tackles. <laughs> yeah, I like that, but no, you can't go wrong with Robert <laughs> Quinn either. Robert Quinn is a monster in this game. Uh, five tackles, four solos, three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and four QB hits. In a losing effort. <laughs> he wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. He needed five sacks and seven QB hits. Uh, Ravens covered minus one and under 40 and a half. Browns in a close one. I think they would have started rioting in Cleveland had they lost to the Lions. Uh, is is Baker healthy? Like that's the number one thing people have been talking about after this game. It's like who knows? I, I mean, he, something just doesn't seem right with him at all. Yeah, and I mean, luckily for him, he has Nick Chubb. Who returned mm-hmm. off of the COVID list for this game? Otherwise, I don't. I don't know if the Browns win this game. Yeah, I mean they were close to not, but um, yeah, I was paying close attention to this one because my girlfriend and I we have like a little side bet, and she has now started picking the games too, mm-hmm. kind of along with us, and she picked the Lions in this one for whatever reason. <laughs> And she almost got it right, and I I was very surprised. But no, I was I was fine. They they lost. So, but I mean, what does this say though about the Lions' quarterbacks? Is Jared Goff really that bad, or I mean, did, is Tim Boyle also just that bad? I don't know, because Tim Boyle had a terrible game too. But I don't think that. Golf would have won this game either. Yeah, I think it was a tough, tough situation for Tim Boyle to go into against a pretty decent Browns defense. Um, I expected more from him. Obviously, his completion percentage was pretty good. Uh, sixty-five percent. Yeah, but it didn't throw it down the field at all. Got picked off twice. Again, mm-hmm. kind of like Baker, he was lucky that they had DeAndre Swift to keep him in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. 14 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown. Three receptions, no yards there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the Lions probably win this game if they have Jared Goff. You know, as much as we trash on Goff, I, I think that he by far gives them the better tr- chance at winning games. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, like I said, the running back's very good in this one. Defensively, Miles Garrett, three tackles, two solos, tuck floss, two QB hits. Uh, Lions, easy cover, plus 13.5, under 42.5. The other shocker of this weekend, Texans upsetting the Titans in Nashville, 22-13. And I can't tell you even – well, I guess I can tell you how it happened. I didn't watch the game because why would I watch the Texans? Um, but four interceptions for Ryan Tannehill and, yeah. and Tyrod's legs. That's That was it. That was the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I think that this was probably the first game that it was actually very apparent that they missed Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah. Because the first couple of games without him, they were fine. I, I don't think they lost the game without him yet until this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, obviously Tennessee's hurting in the receiver, uh, like in the receiving core. But, again, they've been without Julio and or A.J. Brown for a few games this season, and they haven't looked that bad. So, I don't know. It was just an odd game all around. Yeah, uh, A.J. Brown got banged up in the game, but did return um, despite a hand injury and didn't wasn't effective at all. Obviously, he's not on, on the list as the leading receiver, didn't score a touchdown. Um, the, one of the few fantasy waiver wire pickups that a lot of people had was Marcus Johnson. He didn't do anything in this game either for the Titans. Uh but yeah, I was disappointed. Deontay Foreman didn't do much in the game. I started him in one league cause out of necessity, uh, and he didn't do anything. He wasn't the leading rusher. He didn't score a touchdown. The only reason Dontrell Hilliard's on there because he was the leading receiver for Tennessee as a running back. Eight receptions, forty-seven yards off ten targets. Uh, or no. I think I just put him on there because he had 10 targets. Yeah, that's why. I don't know why I said he was leading receiver. Nick Aquina, Westbrook Aquina was leading. 107 yards off seven receptions. But yeah, Tannehill struggled mightily, um, which was weird too because the Texans didn't have their leading pass rusher in this game. Jonathan Greenard, I believe, was out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know how they got pressure on him or what caused the four interceptions. Again, I didn't watch it, but uh, Anthony Ferkser recovered a ball in the end zone for a touchdown. Good for him. And Kamu Grugier-Hill, former Eagle, baby, getting a chance with the Texans full-time on defense instead of what he did for the Eagles, just special teams. Uh, 12 tackles, 6 holes, 2 pass selections, 2 QB hits, and a pick. Texans plus 10, under 45. Vikings. What's new with the Vikings? Another close game. <laughs> uh, but they won this one. Greg Joseph at the buzzer. Um, got it done. And it was weird. Usually you're like, well, we left Aaron Rodgers too much time. But the Packers, they were down. Uh 31-24. All they did was hit a 75-yard touchdown to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and uh, they gave Kirk Cousins too much time at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> so. Both quarterbacks, though, outstanding in this game. No turnovers, seven total touchdowns, over 700 total passing yards, both mm-hmm. over 68% completion. Yeah, this was just a classic Vikings-Packers game. I feel like a lot of their games are like this. But, um, yeah, it was just, like you said, it was just a big offensive day for both sides. Um, Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. Mm -hmm. Jefferson doing Jefferson things. So, (laughs) 
Yeah, it was just, I mean, on the flip side, neither defense was really all that great, I don't think. Obviously, there's only three defensive stats on this uh, slide here. So, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't impressed by either. Uh, I was disappointed early on because Rodgers was struggling against the Vikings, and I thought he would have a good day. Ended up having a nice day, mostly because of the second half, uh, because I didn't think the Vikings secondary was all that great. So I thought he would have a good day against that. On the opposite side, though, the Packers were the number three defense coming into this game. They hadn't let up, or they showed the one stat during the game where it was their past four quarterbacks that they had played. It was uh, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, and they had let up like under a, uh, what was it, like 75 quarterback rating or something mm-hmm. like that, and uh, or passer rating, I should say, not QBR, passer rating. And uh, this one, you know, Kirk Cousins just lit him up. And I don't know what the real reasoning was, but it was probably because Justin Jefferson. But, uh, yeah, Jefferson had a nice day. Adams about a scantling both over 100 yards. Adam Thielen, I was so happy he had a good day. 22 fantasy points for me. Finally did something after I traded for him a couple weeks ago. I traded Devontae Williams and Hunter Renfro for Adam Thielen and Miles Sanders. Uh, good good trade for you. So far. Um, I mean, I keep winning, so it's a plus. Uh, it's going to be a close one this week. I'm facing Saquon, and I'm up like 17 points, I think, something like that. Tonight, I don't have anyone left. But I'm hoping the Bucks. can I don't sh- think I'll have that big of a game. I'm hoping that they can shut Saquon down tonight. And his he's this is his first game back, so I don't know how yeah. how many carries he's gonna get. Anyways, I think uh, Booker's out too for the Giants. I don't think he's playing. So, um, yeah, defensively, Preston Smith six tackles, four souls, two sacks, two tackles lost, three QB hits. And it was weird they they really were getting trying to get the ball to Valdo Scantling in this game for some reason. You know, only caught 40% of the balls, but he was overthrown by Rodgers on probably three or four of those that he missed. It was all deep shots, mostly. Uh, The Vikings plus one and a half over 47. Dolphins beat your Jets 24-17, and it wasn't because of Flacco. I mean... No. Pretty decent day, 291, two touchdowns, did turn it over once. Um, and that turnover was not his fault whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't see it when you said about the double fumble thing. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. I didn't see the play. Yeah. I didn't watch this game. Yeah. Um, so Flacco was completely blindsided by – I don't even remember who it was that came off the edge mm-hmm. because he was completely unblocked on Flacco's blindside and just completely obliterated him. And the ball came flying out. Actually, it was technically, I would say it's an interception because it never hit the ground. Yeah. But I guess it's still considered a fumble because it wasn't a pass. I don't know. But it never it never hit the ground. It literally went right into the defensive lineman's hand. He started running with the ball. And then when he got tackled, 
uh, he fumbled the ball, but then the Dolphins still landed on it. So it was still a turnover. But, uh, yeah, that Flacco, though, had a great game. And, I mean, this wasn't a bad game at all for the Jets. It was just the Dolphins just were able to do that a little bit more. Um, but the the Jets rookies are looking great, though, I think. Especially, well, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, specifically. Unfortunately, we'll talk about Carter in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Elijah Moore is definitely looking like the number one receiver, in my opinion. He's had a great stretch of games in the middle of the season here. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, what's been a pretty bad season for the Jets, I think he's been one of the bright spots. Yeah, dude, Elijah Moore is an outstanding last couple of games. Eight for 141 and touchdown off 11 targets. What we'll to see uh, with your boys. Uh, if if Wilson's going to play this week or not, I heard that uh, he had a good pregame workout for this game. But, uh, you know, there's all there's other there's that other question out there still of, well, we're just going to sit him the rest of the season, let him learn under Flacco. Yeah, well, if there was ever a uh, if there was ever a uh, a game to start him, though, it would be this one coming up because they're playing against the Texans. Yeah. And there's also with with the whole Flacco thing, there's also the uh, the trade conditions with the Eagles. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much they really care about that fifth or sixth round pick, but if they care about it, then they got to be careful with starting him and three more games. This is true. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Carter got hurt in this game. Uh, Gaskin had a nice day on the ground and caught a touchdown. Um, Matt Collins, man, for the Dolphins. <laughs> I told you that, you know, how crazy would it be? Dolphins make the playoffs after a 1-7 and seven start. They're three in a row right now. <laughs> Against the Texans, I, Ravens, but... and Jets. Well, yeah, the Ravens are the only good uh, win there between those three games. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. 10-7 and seven might not be enough, even if they were to win out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And they're, they're no stranger to that either. They've missed the playoffs at 10-6, and six, I think, a few times in the last couple of years. Okay, uh, defensively, Jalen Phillips, three tackles, three solos, sack, tackle floss, two QB hits for the rookie. Mm-hmm. Boy, Quincy Williams had a nice day, though. Yeah, 10 for 10 there, 10 tackles, all solo. I like that. Dolphins covered minus 3.5, under 45, and, and Mark Mark got us on that one. Lone Wolf and the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Niners. Beating the Jags thirty to ten in Santa Clara, uh, yeah, sort of as expected. No turnovers for Jimmy G like he does. 
Uh, no turnovers for Trevor Lawrence, though. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, wasn't enough, though. <laughs> they couldn't get anything on the ground. James Robinson and his um, wasn't his first game back. He was just questionable with his heel injury that he has. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got him in our keepers league, and he saved me with that touchdown. Yeah, they they really just offensively is just blah, nothing. <laughs> and the Niners' offense, I was disappointed. I I needed, I wanted Jeff Wilson to score a touchdown. I had a uh, five leg touchdown parlay all running backs three of them didn't hit so and like i said i I was happy you know cooper cups leading the league in receiving and uh debo samuel only had 15 yards this game Mm -hmm. which is so great because cooper cup was on a bye and it could have gotten debo very close if he would have continued to have 100 yard games like he was having yeah. So I was so happy he only had 15 yards. It's still a pretty good gap from from him to Debo. So yeah, it seems like they kind of used him more in the run game. Yeah, it's really weird. He's getting a lot of carries now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and straight backfield. Not even, you know, like the normal wide receiver carries where it's like a jet sweep or, you know, end around, whatnot. It's just straight, yep, line up beside Jimmy G and, and carry the ball. It's like Cordell Patterson. I was, uh, was going to say, the 49ers seem to like those kind of guys, though. Like, I feel like Jeff Wilson is also kind of a guy like that. He can go out in the like and line up with as a receiver sometimes, or he'll just line up in the backfield. So, And they've had those kind of guys in the past, too. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird, though, that they haven't, you know, they drafted Trey Sermon, and they keep putting people above him. You know, you would have thought with Elijah Mitchell out of this game that Trey Sermon would be the guy, but they put Jeff Wilson as the starter. So it's just, it's weird. Uh, I believe Trey Sermon was a third-round pick. Something like that, yeah. But I don't know, maybe they just think he's not ready to be the full-time running back yet. I don't know. Because, I mean, Elijah Mitchell was a fifth-round pick. So... (laughs) I don't know. I have no, I no knowledge of what is going on with Trey Sermon. Uh, yeah, Kittle scored another touchdown in this game. I was happy with him in fantasy. Uh, Agnew got hurt for the Jags. Talk about that. And uh, defensively, Nick Bosa. I mean, who else? Three tackles, three souls, two sacks, two tackles lost, three QB hits. Of course. Niners covered, minus 6.5, under 45.5. Bengals, big win on the road in Vegas, 32-13 over the Raiders. Uh, Burrow, not a great day for him. Derek Carr didn't do that much either. Uh, Turned it over twice. One was big. It was uh, one that led to an interception that led to the game ceiling touchdown by Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Mixon, I mean, 30 for 123, two touchdowns on the day. Great day for him. And, uh, yeah, Darren Waller, 7 for 116 on the day. I think, I feel mm-hmm. like that's the first game in a while that, you know, Darren Waller's actually been relevant. 
Yeah, it it is because he's been my fantasy tight end in our keepers <laughs> league, and this is the first time he's actually put up like a significant amount of points. Um, I hate freaking the Chase scored a touchdown again. Like, come on, dude! You didn't have to score a touchdown. He didn't have to. It would have nope. helped the other guys. Would have helped mm. Najee Harris's rookie of the year campaign. <laughs> Not that he did much against the Chargers either, which we'll see. But uh... yeah, but uh, no, this game I feel like at one point was pretty close. Like I remember looking at the score; it was like thirteen to six or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the Bengals just pulled ahead. Yeah, it was ten to six at halftime, yeah. and thirteen to six at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, a lot and of, then all of a sudden the Bengals just exploded in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a lot of field goals in this game <clears throat> early on. Anyways, mm-hmm. defensively, Sam Hubbard for the the Bengals: five tackles, three solos, sack, two tackles, loss, and QB hit. Mm-hmm. Bengals covered minus two under fifty and a half. A lot of unders in the NFL this weekend. Really. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, another under. Uh beating the Cowboys 19 to 9. Yeah, this was a very disappointing game. No I was offense. expecting a lot of fireworks and stuff, but it turned into a very defensive battle. Mhm. Yeah, this is weird. Um but I think Possibly, you know, Kansas City is actually back. Maybe. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I don't think that their offense is back, but I think their defense has actually started to play well, and I think that's the whole thing. Yeah, well, this is around the time, the <clears throat> last two freaking seasons, they've done the same thing. It's Their defense is trash the first half of the season. And by some magic, Steve Spagnolo turns it around, and they start playing playoff caliber defense, mm-hmm. and they go on a run. I mean, it's just now they're going to end up, you know, thirteen and four and win the AFC or get the number one seed. You know, I'm still holding out hope for my Chargers pick in our in our thing that they'll end up winning that division. What I don't do know if think? it's good. I don't know if they're going to be able to get the number one seed anymore, but I'm still holding out hope that the Chargers win the division. Well, not why not? The Chargers are uh, the Chargers six and four right now. Are yeah, they're, they're six and four. They're one and a half games out of the number one seed. Yeah, they need Tennessee and Baltimore to both lose. Half game back of the Chiefs in the division, so. It's within striking distance. Yeah. Well, how how weird would that be? We have a number one seed that has like four or five losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna kind of it's gonna almost be the same thing. In the NFC, the NFC is a lot more top heavy though, as, yeah. as we kind of already talked about. But AFC, there's like every single team except the Jags, Texans, and Jets. Has four more wins. Yeah. So. 
four. I think it's like four to four to six wins is like almost everyone in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, there's nine AFC teams with four to six wins. Yeah. So more than half of the AFC. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh yeah. Zeke was banged up in this game in the middle of it. Dak couldn't get anything going on offense. Three turnovers. <clears throat> Mahomes had two turnovers. Both defense were playing. I mean, the, the Cowboys cannot say that they lost the game because their defense was playing like trash. Their defense held for the majority of the game, and their offense could not. The Cowboys, the one stat was like they had the ball inside the Chiefs 30 like four times, and they got six points out of that. Like you can't you can't do that against the defending AFC champions. No. So defensively, Chris Jones, I mean, he was an absolute monster. Five mm-hmm. tackles, four solos. He said in his post game interview, uh, when when they mentioned he had three and a half sacks, he's like, It wasn't four? It wasn't four sacks? <laughs> he thought he got that last sack by himself. Uh, but they only gave him a half a sack on it. So three and a half sacks, two tackles lost, pass selection, and three QB hits. Um, monster game for him. Micah Parsons as well was, was great for the Dallas defense. Uh, I hate that too because it's killing Odafe Owe's defensive rookie of the year campaign as well. So. Uh, Chiefs covered minus two and a half, under 56. Cardinals, 23-13 win over the Seahawks. You got us, Chris. Um, because Colt McCoy balled. I mean, mm-hmm. I did not think that Colt McCoy was going to do this after what he did last week against the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, I was just banking more on the – I don't know if you could say ineptitude, but I'll just say it for a lack of a better term, but the ineptitude of the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Because they, I mean, Russell Wilson has not looked that great since coming back from his injury. Um, and as usual, they didn't have that great of a run game. They had the whole Chris Carson thing happen. Uh, before the game, I think, right? So, yeah. Uh, so they already knew they were going to be without him. So, I don't know. I just, overall, I going into the game, I was expecting, I was kind of expecting this kind of game being that Colt McCoy was the starter, uh, meaning a close, low-scoring game. But uh, I, I loved that Zach Ertz and Colt McCoy connection, though. Eight catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns. That was like vintage Ertz right there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was funny. On the uh, the weekend that Dallas Goddard got paid, Ertz has a standout performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 115 yards as well in this game. Rondale Moore, a weird... Stat line: Eleven catches, but only for fifty-one yards. 
4.6 per catch. Uh, terrible. Terrible catch. Uh, well, I'm sure they were all probably like five-yard, like, dink and dunk plays. Because, I mean, he was 11 for 11 right there. 11 catches on 11 targets. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm sure they were all within 10 yards. Oh, yeah. They were probably... It was probably a lot of screens, a lot of flare routes, stupid stuff that I hate. Um, BLA said, stupid James Conner scored a touchdown again. I mean, granted, you know, (laughs) I started him in in our Dynasty League, obviously. Uh, That's the only reason, like, he has flourished after... You know, I've held him on my Dynasty roster. He was kind of like David Johnson. Like, you know, I held him because I had the number one pick in our initial draft, 2017 or 18, whatever it was, when he was the number one overall pick and then held on to David Johnson for too long and had to release him because he sucked with the Texans. And kind of the same thing with James Conner. I've just been holding him, holding him, holding him, and haven't started him because I had better players, but... I feel your pain with the David Johnson thing, though, because I picked Le'Veon Bell in that same draft, and that was the year that he held out with the Steelers. So, <laughs> And then I held on to him and held on to him while he was a Jet, and then I had to release him in this past offseason. Uh, yeah, defensively here, uh, I'm going to go with Chandler Jones. Four tackles, four solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and three QB hits. <laughs> Uh, Chandler Jones is the only non-Seahawk in the top 10 all-time in sacks at Lumen Field. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of crazy, though, too, because he hasn't been on the Cardinals for that long, I feel He's like. He's only played, I think they said, six games in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And he has, like, 12 sacks in six games at Seattle or something like that. That's insane. Uh, Cardinals plus four and a half, under forty-five. Yeah, that that line was ridiculous. The spread, how it moved. Once Kyler Murray was announced that he was inactive, it shifted. Like the Cardinals, I think were like two point favorites or something like that, and it was like mm-hmm. boom, six point swing. Seahawks four point favorites. <laughs> I didn't bet on this game. I don't know. I mean, I know Kyler Murray is a big integral part of the Cardinals, but I don't understand why it would swing that much in the favor of the Seahawks. Because they're at home. Well, yeah. That's the only reason. Uh, Let's see. Sunday night. Chargers, 41-37 win over the Steelers. And, man, dude. You don't even know. I was so hyped. The fourth quarter was amazing for the Steelers. They just couldn't complete the comeback, and I have no idea. Absolutely no clue what was going on when Justin Herbert threw the game-winning touchdown to Mike Williams. No clue. I mean, there's there's no guy within 10 yards of him. Yeah. I was, like, I fell asleep before this game was over. Definitely before the fourth quarter. Um, 
I think when I fell asleep, it was like, I think it was halftime. It was 17 to 10. Yeah, that was the halftime score. And I fell asleep. I woke up this morning and I saw that the score was 41 to 37. I was like, <laughs> what the hell happened? Yeah, a lot of stuff went on in the fourth quarter. Steelers in, entered the fourth quarter down uh, 27 to 10. Uh-huh. And uh, they scored 27 in the fourth, and it wasn't enough. Uh, but like I said, it, it was a marvelous game. It, it definitely lived up to a Sunday night game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Justin Herbert was just too much. And uh, it was it was too much for a, a broken Steelers defense. No T.J. Watt, no Joe Hayden, no Minka Fitzpatrick. Is a lot to overcome for Keith Butler and, and the Steelers defense. But again, Ben turned in a, a vintage Ben performance. Mm-hmm. No turnovers. Two seventy three, three touchdowns. They got a turnover on uh, special teams. They blocked the punt. Miles Killebrew did, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing is, it's it's back-to-back weeks, though, against terrible rushing defenses that they haven't gone. And 12 carry, Najee got hurt for part of this game. He got hurt in the third quarter, went in, got checked for concussion, got cleared, came back for the final drive and didn't do anything on the final drive because Ben got sacked on first and second down. And then, or no, they, they threw a, he got sacked on, first down and second down yeah and then they threw an incompletion to an open Deontay Johnson and then Ben got pressured on fourth down and he threw it wide of another receiver like Uh way it was like fourth and 27 or something like that and he threw it wide when it was like a five yard pass it wouldn't have mattered anyways if you would have called it no but in in Harris's defense though they were playing catch up the entire game so they kind of had to rely on the passing game. Yeah, but <clears throat> they were down. I liked what a Didi Kinkleballa said on Twitter. Um, you know, they were down. I think it was like ten to seven, and then it was like fourteen to or no, it was like seven nothing and fourteen to ten at one point. You know, it was close in the first half, mm-hmm. and then the third quarter, the Chargers kind of pulled away. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they still could have early on established the run more. Uh, it was also a, a hard thing. No Kevin Dotson at guard for the Steelers as well. Mm-hmm. So you had J.C. Hassenauer there. And, uh, yeah, difficult performance. You know, it's fine, though. You know, all three of the other AFC North teams won this weekend, but I, I don't think the Steelers are any way out of it. They're still a half no, they're game still in up. A good position. They're still a half game up on the Browns. Um, they are one and a half back of the Ravens, I believe. I think. And they're a half game back of the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, no, but just want to quickly touch on this too. I mean, you mentioned how the Steelers had no run game. On the other side of the ball, on for the Chargers, Austin Eckler had a career game right there. Yeah, uh, 
11 carries for 50 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and then also <clears throat> six catches for 65 yards and two more touchdowns. So four total touchdowns. And, I mean, I have him in our dynasty. He scored me 41 and 41.5 points, which is an incredible performance for anybody, let alone a running back. Was that enough for you to win, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still have Brady tonight, but I I already won this one. I have a I'm winning 185.3 to 102.9. So Brady could quite possibly get me over 200 points here. Very solid. I I think I might have 200 points too. I don't know. I I actually I might be done. I don't know. No, well, no, you have another player. I don't know who, but you have 196 points. Oh, and you're yeah, projected I had the, 204. I have the Bucks defense mm. against uh, Saquon and Mike Evans, I think, something like that. You're so far ahead, though, that it won't matter. Hopefully. As long as Saquon Ooh. doesn't score over 17 points, that's all <laughs> I care about. I need to keep winning in my uh, – my law school league. I'm trying to get the number one seed. I'm like two games back. Uh, but yeah, anyways, this game, nice night for Alex Highsmith. Six tackles, three solos, one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss, and three QB hurries. But really, as Joey Bosa, the Steelers couldn't stop Joey Bosa all night. He was in the backfield a lot. And uh, Deontay Johnson, a 7 for 101 and a touchdown. Nice night for him, as always. I mean, whenever Big Ben plays, Deontay Johnson's going to have a good game. So, I was also happy Pat Fryermuth saved his fantasy night by scoring a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Everyone that had Fryermuth was mad because Eric Ebron scored a touchdown, and they were like, bro, that could have been Fryermuth. <laughs> and then he finally did score one. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Friar Muth is looking like the real deal, though. He's looking like probably the best thing that they've had at tight end since Miller. Oh, for sure. And once once Ebron leaves, which I don't know if it's this coming year that he's leaving, I think it will be. I think he might his contract might be up. I hope it is. I want Fry, I want Friar Muth to get all the snaps at tight end. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like Ebron being there. Um, but yeah, Steelers did cover though, plus six and a half over forty-seven and a half. All right, NCAA news: Florida they fired head coach Dan Mullen. I have no idea where Mark has been for the last hour and a half, but he's still on here no apparently. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Florida is looking for a new head coach. They officially fired Dan Mullen after their loss to Missouri this weekend. Um, five, uh, six and five, Florida is. So, yeah, it's uh, a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta play Georgia every year. That's it's the toughest test. But I mean, you're in Florida. You 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 have a a lot of players to pick from, recruiting wise. Florida, one of the best states to recruit players from. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of high-profile job, but got to get the right person, apparently. Um, okay, uh, NFL news-wise, 
IR. Uh, a couple guys going off on IR. Steelers placed guard Kevin Dotson on IR. Titans doing the same with linebacker Bud Dupree. And today the Jags announced they are placing wide receiver Jamal Agnew on IR. He is done for the year. Um, the other two I don't think are done for the year. But Jamal Agnew is done for the season. Coming off IR, Bucks getting back corner Sean Murphy bunting tonight. Uh, Giants also getting back left tackle Andrew Thomas tonight. So help against JPP and Shaq Barrett. The uh, Washington football team, tight end Logan Thomas is beginning to practice this week. Coming off IR, uh, probably not going to play this week, but maybe in two weeks he could be back. Broncos are in the same situation with pass rusher Bradley Chubb. He's going to return in a couple weeks, hopefully, for them. Um, COVID-wise, a couple guys placed on the COVID list today. Falcons punter Dustin Colquitt. Uh, Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles. And uh, Chargers defensive lineman Linvald Joseph. All placed on the COVID list. Injuries, uh, Packers, offensive lineman Elton Jenkins. He is feared to have suffered an ACL tear done for the year. Um, Cowboys, wide receiver CeeDee Lamb. He has a concussion. More than likely he's going to miss the Thanksgiving game against the Raiders. Uh, so, you know, already no Mari Cooper. No CeeDee Lamb possibly as well. Uh, I would hope for my fantasy wise anyways that they would just run the ball i mean zeke got banged up against the chiefs as well mm-hmm. but i think he'll be fine uh considering he returned to that game uh but yeah passing game wise it's gonna be dalton schultz i think would be the number one target and then Probably. you know you got michael gallup and cedric wilson i don't really know the receiving depth chart after those guys <laughs> But, uh, oh, uh, you got uh, Brown. Um, ah, bank Noah, Noah Brown as well. I knew he was from Ohio State. I just couldn't remember what his first name was. Uh, all right. Bears quarterback Justin Fields, he has bruised ribs, the MRI showed. Um, But the Bears announced that Andy Dalton is going to start on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Uh, Let's see. Your Jets running back Michael Carter out two to three weeks. Low grade, high ankle sprain. So, yeah, that's not only a blow to me as a Jets fan, but also I have him in our keepers league. So that's a blow to me in fantasy as well. Me too. I I have him in a dynasty league. Uh, so now I'm forced to uh, put Antonio Gibson back in the lineup. But yeah, oh well. I, I was in a conundrum with my running backs. This week in my dynasty league that I have Carter 
and one of those moves I did I had to put Antonio Gibson in in the lineup, which was decent, ninety five yards, you know. Mm-hmm. The Eagles running back Jordan Howard, he has a knee sprain. Uh, they they said that he could be out until week fifteen. They have a week. I said week thirteen by. I think it's actually a week fourteen by. The Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, it's week fourteen. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they said that he could be out possibly until week 15, you know, because they play. They got the Giants this week. They got the Jets in two weeks and then the bye. So, knee sprain, you know, that'd be nice for three weeks to get him ready. Um, nose tack uh, Bucks nose tackle Vita Vea. He is out tonight. Uh, two guys that are playing though. Saquon Barkley already announced he is in. Also, back tonight is Bucks tight end Rob Gronkowski. I need him to get uh, like thirty-three receiving yards. That's it. That's all I need from you, Gronk. And possibly the first touchdown if if he can score the first touchdown. Him or Mike Evans, that'd be great. Uh, the last injury here, the Saints tight end Adam Troutman. He is out uh, four to six weeks. He has a sprained MCL. As if they didn't have enough injuries on that team. <laughs> All right, extensions. Extensions are running wild right now. The Broncos. Mm-hmm. Broncos signed wide receiver Cortland Sutton to a four-year $60.8 million extension, $34.9 million guaranteed. Crazy. That he's getting this coming off a torn ACL last year. Um, but he's back to playing uh, really well for the Broncos. Just mm-hmm. needs a better quarterback, I would think. Yeah. Uh, Saints. Now, this is the interesting one of the day. They signed quarterback Taysom Hill to a unique extension as mm-hmm. uh, Rappaport and... Schefter put it. I think I got these this from Schefter though. Between forty and ninety five million. Pretty big gap. Uh yeah. but it depends on what position he's playing. Mm-hmm. Overall it's twenty two and a half million guaranteed. He gets forty million if he continues to play the role that he does now. Mm-hmm. Throw a couple passes, catch some, run some, play special teams, whatnot. But if he becomes the next Saints franchise quarterback, he will gain an additional $55 million. Uh, what the actual stipulations are of that, I have no clue because it didn't say. Yeah, I... <sighs> I hate that they keep, like, dancing around this whole situation with him. Either say he's going to be or say he's not. And I thought that the whole – this whole past off season with the battle with Winston said a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're – and they uh, – like, how they thought of him as a quarterback. And I still feel like this actually might say that – say what they think of it, about him as a quarterback. I am on the side of I don't want him as a starting quarterback. Not because I don't think he has the ability to be a starting quarterback, 
but because I like him better in the role that he's in. I like him better as that Swiss Army knife kind of guy. So I'd rather them go out and get another quarterback to still have the element of Taysom Hill as the Swiss Army guy. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. And and you think about it, though, like, <laughs> would the Saints actually want to play him as a starter if they're going to lose another $55 million? No. So, I mean, that's... Unless they really think that he's a worthy successor, which, again, I don't think so. Yeah, and I think it comes into one of those things where it's what I've learned in, uh, you know, talking about NFL contracts, looking at them is, you know, you have incentives and they're essentially three categories of incentives in NFL contracts. Most likely to achieve, you know, it's kind of like, you know, close to 100% achievability, you know, 50-50, and then there's like less likely to achieve. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you wonder, you know, I think it would probably come down to amount of snaps, percent of snaps Mm -hmm. in a season at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe that's per game at quarterback because, you know, I think you would have to look at his game, his per game check that he gets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how many snaps did he play at quarterback? Well, is it over 50% in this game that he played at quarterback? All right, well, you get this much this week. But if it's less than 50%, you're getting this much for your game check this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the exact details, but that's what I would think would be kind of how it's structured. Um, also, Eagles, man. Howie Roseman's having himself a nice season of extensions. Getting young players that are core guys locked up uh, early. So already signed Dallas Goddard, already signed Josh Sweat, and now they signed uh, Goddard's roommate, actually, him and, him and Avante Maddox, corner for the, st- for the Eagles, uh, to a three-year, $22.5 million extension, $13.3 million guaranteed. I love it. He is one of the best slot corners in the NFL uh, at this point and uh, getting rewarded there. So, And they also, just today, announced they signed linebacker TJ Edwards to a one-year $3.2 million extension, $2.15 million guaranteed. They said another young guy that is coming up with the Eagles and progressing finally, um, I think it was two weeks ago, they started putting him into the starting defense, not just coming off the bench and playing special teams. He is now a starting inside linebacker for them, or maybe he's outside. I don't know. Um, but regardless, he's one of their starting linebackers now, and he's he's playing like it. I mean, he had an interception off of Trevor Simeon this week. That was great leaping uh, pick and. Uh, Really good player. Uh, I liked him coming out of Wisconsin when he came out and um, undrafted, but turning out well for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And then last piece of news, the Cardinals, interesting move. 
They signed quarterback Trace McSorley off of the Ravens practice squad. Uh, so maybe looking to get more or up the quality of depth behind Colt McCoy uh, mm-hmm. over Chris Streveler, who was the third quarterback. Um, or maybe they're just adding a fourth quarterback, you know, because I think they said that they're going to let Kyler Murray rest through the bye, which is this week. This weekend is the Cardinals' bye. So um, I don't know if they're doing that just for practice purposes or um, if they're really looking to upgrade over Streveler at the third quarterback spot or not. Intriguing move, I thought. All right, pick standings. You and Mark still up top because you guys pick the same thing every week, and I don't, so that's fine. (laughs) Um, But this week is a great week. I love the Thanksgiving week on the show Mm -hmm. because there's four games, and we almost always don't pick all four together. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that nobody picked the same four I did. So This is true. Uh, we all are on the same boat tonight, though. Uh, Bucks hosting the Giants. Bucks eleven point favorites. I am on. Um, I'm taking the points with Tampa, and I'm also on the under forty nine and a half in the game. Uh, Wait, so you think the Bucks actually do cover? Yeah. I was going to say the opposite. I think that it's going to be. A, I think the Bucks win this one, but I don't think they cover. I think it'll be just under the cover. I think it'll be like a 10-point game. Well, I'm just saying because, for one, it's Daniel Jones in a prime t- in a primetime game, mind you. And mm. uh, for two, uh, I think the Bucks are pissed off. They're tired of losing. And they want to show everyone that they are still the Super Bowl chance. The Giants played them tough last time, last year in New York. It's in Tampa this time, though. And the Bucks don't lose in Tampa very often under Brady. Yeah, but it's Brady against the NFC East, which for some reason he can't seem to play well against them. Doesn't matter. This is a single game. I think the Bucks can route the Giants. Um, oh, I forgot to say the college football games that are going on this week um, in between our shows. The uh, Tomorrow, we have some more Maction. Buffalo, 4-7 and seven at 5-6 and six Ball State. The Cardinals trying to get to a bowl game. Um, they are 6.5-point favorites at home. Over-under is 58.5, 7 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. I believe the Cardinals will become bowl eligible. They'll win at home for Ball State. Um, and then Western Michigan, 6-5, four-point favorites at Northern Illinois, who is 8-3. NIU going to the MAC championship game. Um, over-under is 62.5, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. I've, I don't know why Western Michigan's favored. Um I have been on Northern Illinois for quite a time mm-hmm. this year. I've won back-to-back bets on Northern Illinois. 
two weeks in a row. I bet him live um, on the Hermo Happy Hour. For anyone that doesn't know, guy at Troy Hermo on Twitter. Look him up. Fantastic dude. Stage four mm-hmm. cancer, and he's still researching, doing all of this stuff. He has uh, the maps, which help out tremendously. Um, you know, he writes articles for VR betting. Great dude. He's gonna come on um, next Monday, I believe. So we should have Hermo on here. Um, but yeah, it's a great time. Hermo happy hour. He has these every once in a while. His Twitter space on the the Twitter spaces, and uh, great times. But uh, anyways, yeah, NIU Rusty's Huskies. That's becoming a thing. So Rusty's Huskies getting the win tomorrow night, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Huskies get this one. Um, and then Thursday on Thanksgiving, we have two college football games, really great college football games, if I do say so myself, um, to add to the NFL games. I'm going to try to watch everything on Thursday, um, as long as my family doesn't yell at me for watching too much football. But um, <laughs> Fresno State, 8-3, and seven-and-a-half-point favorites at San Jose State, who is and 5-6, trying to get to a bowl game. Over-under is 52-and-a-half, and that is 3-30 on FS1. And again, we mentioned Fresno State, they have to win. They have to win and have Utah State, or they have to win and have San Diego State lose to Boise State on Saturday. Um, or no, on Friday. I think that Boise State, San Diego State's game's on Friday. Uh, so it's a must win for both teams. I think it's going to be a good game, but I, I believe in my guy Jake Hayner, and I think they can get it done in San Jose. Um, and then the Egg Bowl. We got the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. Uh, number 12, Ole Miss, 9-2, one-point favorites at number 25, Mississippi State. Obviously, the rankings will change uh, tomorrow night. But 7-4, uh, and four, Mississippi State. Over-under is 60.5. I believe the over is going to hit. Mississippi State, Ole Miss should be a, 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 I don't know, what do you want to call it, a gun show. Uh <laughs> 7.30 on ESPN. I, I think Ole Miss can get it done. It's going to be tough in Starkville, Mississippi. But like I said, the Egg Bowl, it's fun every year. Um, Mississippi State rivals. So I, I like Matt Corral, though, in a shootout. All right, let's get to the other Thanksgiving games NFL-wise here. First one, Thanksgiving Bears at the Lions. Chris is low wow. wolfing the red rifle uh, in Detroit. Hmm. And I'm going with golf. I think golf's going to return for this game and have a good day on Thanksgiving. Wow. I'm kind of surprised I'm lone wolfing this one. I just I can't bring myself to, to pick the Lions. Yeah, they've had two decent games the last two weeks when they tied the Steelers last week and then they lost to the Browns by only three this week, but still, it's a division game and you even said it before that Andy Dalton is the best quarterback that the Bears have right now. So I think that the fact that he's starting this game just helps them even more. (laughs) Well, I think DeAndre Swift is going to help Derek Goff get their first win of the season. And the Lions on Thanksgiving are always a tough out. 
So that's that's why I'm going with them. And also, technically, the mark didn't go. Uh, he didn't pick this game. He, he rolled with me, and I told him, I was like, I'm picking the Lions. And he's like, yes, I like it. So, God dang it, Chris Godwin scored the first touchdown. Look at that, dude. I told you, Buck's going to roll tonight. 7 nothing. Wait, they already scored? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Eleven and a half to go in the in the eleven minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah, eight plays, seventy three yards, three fifty seven. Time possession, great times. Tom Brady, baby. Uh, maybe he is the MVP. <laughs> uh, Raiders, the afternoon game. Oh, I forgot to say the Lions over under is forty two. I like the under, and uh, that's twelve thirty on Fox. Raiders at the Cowboys here. Dallas seven-point favorites. I mean, they got to win. They have to win now. I mean. Yeah. I don't like the seven points, but I I do think Dallas wins this one. Regardless of their injuries at receiver and whatever else. But I still think that Dak can win this game without them. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, they said, like, the record of the last three games for all six teams coming into Thanksgiving was just terrible. I don't remember the exact record, but it was, like, it, it was very bad. Obviously, the Lions haven't won. They're 0-2-1 and in their last three games. Mm-hmm. The the Bears, uh, they might be 0-3 in their last three. The Raiders, I think, are 1-2. Cowboys are one and two. Uh, the Bills are one and two as well, I think. And the mm-hmm. Saints, Saints are zero oh and three in their last three. So it's just terrible. All six teams coming in Thanksgiving are just on a terrible <laughs> streak right now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think it must win for both teams. It should set up for a nice day, especially. I think it evens out the the injuries on offense for the Cowboys. I think it evens out the game mm. for the Raiders. I think it, they're going to play it close. Yeah. I do have to say, though, that the Raiders have more to lose in this game than the Cowboys do because the Cowboys at least still have a solid lead in their division. The Raiders, on the other hand, are still fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah. The Cowboys have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Eagles. Yeah, but I'm just I'm saying they have a little bit of a cushion, whereas the Raiders – are still playing catch up here. Yeah, Raiders back one and a half games, I believe it is. Uh, over under is fifty and a half. Let's play some defense. Uh, Let's play some defense. Let's go under. Yeah, with the way that these teams have been playing, yeah, I don't think it goes anywhere near fifty. Yeah, four thirty on CBS, and then the night game. It's not. It's not Alan Chris. It's going to be Mike Tirico and Drew Brees on the call here. Uh, Bills at the Saints, and uh, of course you're lone wolfing the Saints, Chris. Of course you are. I just, I don't know. Something told me to pick the Saints in this one. It wasn't a biased pick. It was just that, like this past weekend's games, especially like. My gut told me to pick the Colts, but I didn't. I went with the Bills. And in a couple other games that I didn't get right, I 
I had a feeling I should have picked the other team, but I didn't. So in this one, I just, with the way the Bills have been playing in two of their last three games, yes, the Saints have also not been the greatest, but the Bills have looked like one of the worst teams in the league two out of their last three games. So just the fact that it's in New Orleans, and I just think that the Saints defense can get to the get to the Bills offense. And they just showed the stats on Monday Night Football with and without Barkley. It's like four points per game and like 63 yards per game difference. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but great stop on first down. Held him to like three yards. That's great. Uh, but yeah, I, the Bills are going to turn it around. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, both defenses got destroyed this past weekend, and they were the like top three defenses. The Bills were the number one defense going into last weekend, and the the Bill the Saints were like the Saints were the number one rushing defense, and the Eagles just ran all over them. Not that the yep. Bills are going to do that because the Bills haven't seen the Bills haven't shown that they can do anything in the running game almost all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, I I think it might be a close game, but I just believe in Buffalo and that they have the players. You know, we already talked about Adam Troutman, another injury for the Saints. You know, who do they have? Who who's even, I don't even know who's who's playing tight end now for the Saints. <laughs> Probably Hill. I don't think Josh Hill's even there anymore, is he? No, oh, I was talking Taysom, about Taysom. Taysom. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Bills. Over-under is 46, and I'm actually going over that. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I just like the over. Look at that. Wishbone formation for the Giants. Eli Penny, Saquon Barkley, and Gary Brightwell all in the backfield. No, stop running, Saquon. Wait, apparently the backup tight end for New Orleans is Garrett Griffin. Solid. I'm picking him up in fantasy. Nick Vanette is the fourth tight end, surprisingly. Yeah, I think I knew that. But 820 on NBC on Thanksgiving night. All right, next Monday we will be back uh, breaking down all of the games from Week 12, and then we will be previewing the Week 12 Monday night game between the Seahawks and Washington football team and – the Thursday night week thirteen opener between the Cowboys and Saints. Saints getting back to back, or Cowboys and Saints getting back to back special games here. Saints getting back to back primetime Thursday night games. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is the show for today. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. Check all of our previous shows out there. And you can see us here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you choose to listen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, whatever Mark is right now. (laughs) And we'll see you on Football Friday. Yep.